Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm Darren. And I'm Andrew. And I'm Kieran. And this week we're discussing Robert Zemeckis' classic Back to the Future, which is one of the great 80s movies, one of the great science fiction movies, and one of the most beloved movies of all time. It's currently ranked, I believe, 44 on the list. Uh, myself and Andrew are very thrilled to have a very special guest joining us for this one, uh, Mr. Kieran Gillen. Um, how are you, Kieran? I'm probably a very big Back to the Future fan, and that's why you've dragged me here. Against my will. Uh, I'm a very good friend. And a very good friend, actually. Kieran yeah. is, is one of our oldest friends. Uh, certainly one of my oldest friends. I think one of Andrew's oldest friends as well. We and all met around the same time. We're getting yeah. a band back together. Yeah, yeah this is like the, the Beatles and it's finally John Lennon is here. It's like, yeah. Um, I, I'm happy to be Ringo. I accept that I'm Ringo. But no, it, it was actually through... Can I be George? <laughs> Nobody wants to be Paul. You couldn't pay me enough. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so it was when Back to the Future came up, myself and Andrew thought it would be a great idea to have you on. Because, I mean, you are the Back to the Future expert. Of the three of us, you're the one who's particularly, who's always loved 80s cinema, in particular. Like, I would think of you when I think of Ghostbusters. Well, I remember going to see Ghostbusters with you. Absolutely. It's, it's my Star Wars. It's my Star Trek. It's my sci fi. It's the film I would want to see you know it's the one you sit down and watch uh it's it's the one you sit down put on and sit down and absolutely enjoy from beginning to end but yeah it is it's it's, it's an absolute joy like i i have a huge fondness for back to the future myself i think andrew does as well I absolutely suspect. yeah no like 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 we're 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 children of the 80s we are also of the vhs generation and it was the, probably one of the first videos I would have had it at home. Yeah. Uh, my older brother had quite a video collection, but uh, Back to the Future was one of the ones he introduced to me very early on, probably seven or eight. And I can just remember every time now I sit down to watch it, I see it differently because you pick up something else and you all oh, remember that bit from it and I remember that bit from it. And it's just absolutely 100%. You sit down, you watch it and you enjoy it every time. And I, I, I think growing up, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely wanted to be Marty McFly. <laughs> Maybe Darren wants to be a more responsible version of that. <laughs> I was like, George McFly is, is the character I'm here and rooting for. Thank you very much. Well, I, I look at Marty McFly as growing up as like, almost like a style icon. I identify with him. I can, I look at him, I think he's a role model. And now the older I get, I seem to be more like uh, Christopher Lloyd. So <laughs> I, I don't know what, I don't know what that says about me, but. Yeah. It appeals to all the generations. It, it really does. It really does. And I think I think you're onto something there in terms of it being a VHS classic and it being a, a television classic. Like Back to the Future is one of the movies that I think is on the subset of films that over here or she used to play at Christmas. They played the mm. entire trilogy, like Indiana Jones. Absolutely. And even like this Christmas, for example, I would have watched uh, Back to the Future Two and Back to the Future Three when they happen to be on at three o'clock yeah. on a, like a you know on like a Christmas between Christmas and New Year afternoon. And there's something very pleasant and pleasing about that about like enjoying it and going back and this is sort of like maybe it's a nostalgic thing but i think the movies hold up very very well oh yeah and we're full of sugar and we are full of sugar and it's the perfect after christmas sort of treat it's like it is a treat we're recording this on saint stephen's day (laughs) (laughs) just for the listeners i i know we don't generally reveal when these are recorded but But just we feel it's very important to share that but it, it does it's and it's what now, in, even in like the multi-channel era where you have your Sky movies and you've got like, you know, 
seven dozen channels of movies mm. it seems like back to the future is you know you still cycle through and you still hit it and you still watch it like i remember i think the last time that i watched most of back to the future was probably about three months ago mm. when i just landed on it while having dinner and i was like okay i'm, I'm in again i'm watching this i don't get to see the third one enough um it, it, it i feel like it's been a long time since i've seen the third one well, I think the second one had its sort of moment, I think, a couple of years ago, obviously, with the, you know, 30 years, sort of 20... Yeah, Back to the Future Day. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, with the original film, there's actually, for a sci-fi film, there's very few special effects in the actual movie. You're talking the time machine traveling back back and forth in time. And for, uh, for a Robert Zemeckis movie as well. Well, so, what yeah, they would some, become. Somebody who, who has a great kind of facility, I suppose, for special effects. Yeah, because yeah. we would have talked about very recently Forrest Gump, which mm. pioneered all sorts of special effects. Obviously, he's known now for stuff like, say, The Walk, the for Walk, example. Exactly. Absolutely. Or even um, what those animated films with, like, Jim Carrey doing mm. um, the... Christmas Carol and obviously mm. um, remember the Polar Express where everybody is Tom Hanks and mm. somehow it's not reassuring it's terrifying <laughs> um, but yeah he, Zemeckis is a very now a te- very technologically focused director but yeah you're right when I think you say that it feels almost watching it almost naturalistic in places but yeah but the acting is, is so much part of it it's uh, very much uh, dealing with the actors one to one you know generally but Back to the Future has a movie. When they were trying to make it, they approached Disney, and Disney said no chance because of the relationship the between Marty and his mother, and they almost thought it was incestuous. So Spielberg got a hold of it uh, through his relationship uh, with Smekas and Bob Gale. Yeah, and, he produced uh, two of their their two of their last couple of movies, I believe. Yes. Uh, they both bombed, but it was after they did Romancing the Stone. That's right, yeah, Romancing the Stone, and then they got together and. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in terms of, um, so Back to the Future, you remember it being handed down basically by, by your brother. Andrew, do you remember the first time you saw it? I do. Um, not. I do not. Um, I, I, I feel like it was myself and my brother, though, as well, watching it um, and, and watching the trilogy and watching the television show as well. Because was, there was an animated TV An animated show. one with, with live action um, sequences at the beginning. With where, Christopher with Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd doing science experiments. And I was a kid who was uh, big into science at the time. I, I think at, at around um, a, little, a little later, but probably from around age 10 was when I, I, w- I was getting into science and asking for like chemistry sets and stuff for, 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 for Christmas. And then I think I, I wanted to be a nuclear physicist when I grew really? up. Really? Yes. Yeah. That was one of the many things that I, I am, uh, that I uh, never became. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, um, I mean, you can still find some Libyans and do some deals. I'm sure it'll be grand. I mean... Bastards! <laughs> <laughs> but one of, the, one of the things that, yeah, you want to hear something really sad. I, I asked no. for a chemistry <laughs> set for my parents one Christmas. And then I, I looked at it and I read the instructions and I realized that I could only run each of the experiments once. And uh. I was like... Oh, how do I decide when's the moment that I want to create iron filings? Mm. When is the moment in my life where I will decide that I want these elements to never be the same again, be forever changed? And as a result, I, I couldn't actually do it. So the chemistry set sat unused under my bed. It was very, very sad. It's very when I think that back is very, very sad. Like in 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 most senses of the word. Yeah. The the the, the uh, you 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 needed to to, to take um, I, I I suppose jump, jumping ahead, but I don't think it spoils anything to 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 to, to use the words of of Doc Brown. 
Uh, what the hell? <laughs> Is swearing really necessary, Andrew? <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So I, I guess then the only thing left to ask before we jump into the sports and talk about the movie in a bit more depth is would this movie be on your 250? Like your top 250 movies of all time? Would this? Do you think it belongs on like an objective list of the 250 best movies? And in case there's anybody listening who has yet to watch, who's yet to sort of see Back to the Future, should they go and see it? What do you think? Here? I think, yes, it would be on my 250. I think why people should go and see this film if they haven't seen it before because they don't make films like this anymore. Uh, That's so true. That is actually very true. They just, they just, films aren't, aren't made like this anymore but you can take an awful lot from it. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Well, it's kind of depressing a little bit and I, I don't want to come across as old man shakes fist to cloud when we talk about the way you make modern movies. The movie this year which is probably closest to Back to the Future is probably Ready Player One, which is kind of really disappointing because you no longer have that sort of subgenre of movies about teenagers who have crazy adventures in the modern world. Mm. Now, if you're having a teenager having an adventure, they're a superhero or they're based on an established property or you're rebooting something or you're remaking something or you're investing in an established well, I, brand. I suppose there, there is, there's all of the kind of um, uh, movie adaptations of young adult fiction. Yeah, there there is to an extent, but a lot of that has gotten even as you know, sort of more like Harry Potter and um, uh, uh, all of the um, well, the Twilight think, movies, for time example, and yeah. Twilight and well, Wrinkle in Time is actually probably closest to the bunch, but uh, in most cases, like for example, in Harry Potter, it's always like the child is revealed to be the chosen one or to be part of a subculture, and you peel back the layers on a world. There's something very. It feels like we lost something of mm. the like, and this is again. I don't want to seem too nostalgic and too shake fist at clouds, but we lost a lot of that like Spielbergian kind of wonder. And like I've heard it argued that the beauty of Back to the Future is that it is a hybrid of a John Hughes high school film. <laughs> And a Steven Spielberg film. And that's why it works so well, because it encapsulates the things that people love about both of those. The sense of childish wonder at magic in the world with the anxiety of being a teenager coming of age in the world and sort of binds them together and tells a fascinating story. I think in this day and age, you don't really have that. You don't really have movies like, say, E.T., where you know a regular mm. family just happens to discover a, a wonderful alien. Mm. You know, you don't... Um, wait, wait, Back to the Future, like you said, that was, makes it stand out from other films. With films, a lot of films, you get teenagers, they find themselves in an alternative world or uh, some sort of 3D world or, you know, uh, whereas Back to the Future, it's real world. They recreated the 1950s. You went back to what was essentially the real world, dealing with real people in real situations to get back to his own time. Uh, as you find out, uh, going into the second one, you find an alternative timeline. But yeah. as I said, with the basic, the first film, he finds himself dealing with real people in a real world situation yeah. but he's just in a different time yeah. I mean there's there's something interesting there which I don't think we can talk about yet because it's kind of spoilery about the, the stakes of the movie where the stakes of the movie even in this sort of time travel adventure are relatively personal like there's yeah. a suggestion in Back to the Future that no matter what Marty does 1985 will still exist the only thing that's really at stake is something more personal. It's very low key. It's like it's his family that's affected. It's not the entire world or the entire mm. planet. Mm. It's not like the fate of mankind, possibly, who knows. But yeah, it, like these kind of low stakes um, uh, uh, f- f- family movies like um, Uncle Buck or the... the um, Even the Home Alone the, movies. Home Alo- <laughs> yeah, home, home, home Alone movies, Mighty Ducks. 
um, they they like they kind of heighten things some somewhat in some of the like sequels and that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's it's. Um, I don't I, I I don't know how different movies are these days, but uh, I I do find myself kind of harkening back a, a lot, and sometimes kind of like especially when I'm home, I want to put on something. Um, that reminds uh, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, from 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 that era, or like maybe there's some kind of like uh, Tom Hanks comedy that I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> Joe versus the volcano, an undiscovered <laughs> classic. Yeah, um, but yeah, the the um, I I I definitely agree with Karen. I I think it would be difficult to accounting for why it's maybe so high up on the list. Is is I I I'd, I'd, I'd agree completely. I'd I'd have it on the list and. And I'd have it high on the list, and I'd recommend if 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 people for whatever planet you've been living on that you haven't seen, even it, if you're on Vulcan, if on planet Vulcan, um, go go out and watch this movie, uh, Kieran. Yeah, with with Back to the Future as well. There's so much going on in the movie. Uh, the fact that there's time travel and yeah. running around and jumping that you forget that that when you sit down and watch it again and again and again, you start to find out real moments in the main character Marty's life yeah his mother yeah. his father the relationships is, uh, with his brothers and sister and uh, what you eventually find out his uncle and different things like that you don't hone in on until you've watched it a few times no. and you realise oh, and, right. well, it's, and it's, you, you realise all the kind of structural easter eggs as yes. well mm. it's a staggeringly well constructed film they teach this they teach this film in filmmaking and screenwriting as an example of a perfect or as close yeah. to a perfect script as imaginable mm. in terms of set up and payoff of recurring yeah. gags as it goes in terms of providing enough exposition so the audience is aware of not only the mechanics of how the story works and but doing the it stakes in an unobtrusive way that's it exactly and treating them as jokes and giving just enough information the audience can follow without overwhelming them or drowning them in it and without stopping the action necessarily yeah, nor is there anything really that they dropped that like if you missed it it would really uh, take away from your enjoyment no. of the movie yeah. just they're, they're kind of if you do get it it just sort of adds a little wrinkle or layer to it and why people can relate to Marty's character is he's not perfect and he hasn't come from a perfect background uh, and he finds himself going back to essentially his family have become better about spoiling the film well we'll, we'll jump we'll jump in there so i think i am gonna say i think if it belongs on the 250 it would probably be on my 250 and if you haven't seen this you should go see it if you have seen it you can probably just watch it again it's a watch movie that really again. really holds yeah. up um so with that in mind then we'll jump gently into the spoilers zone. so kieran um, I can spoil it now, can I? If I haven't done already. <laughs> yeah. so. In no. case, you, yeah, in case anybody's listening this far and hasn't seen the film, we are going to spoil everything. Um, this is where I shine. Yeah. But so, Kieran, as our resident Back to the Future experts, right? Yeah, what, I'm what back is, now. That's right. I popped out there for a while. <laughs> what is Back to the Future about for you? For me, it's the go-to film if I want to stick on a DVD. It'd be the one I, I'd put on to sit down to watch. It's... Sci-fi, comedy, action, all rolled into one. Educational. I learned an awful lot from Back to the Future. And it's a period movie. Yeah. yeah. In many different periods. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it's become. But it's, it's, it's very interesting 30 years on from when it was made for us now to look back on it. Especially we grew up with it. So we're watching it every 10 years. We watch it back and say, oh yeah, oh yeah. And as the world moves on, we look back to what the world was like when it was made and yeah. the world they went back to and how they viewed the 50s and how we view the 50s now, which yeah. is why the film actually couldn't be made now because I think people view the 50s differently 
now than, than they, they did in 1985. There's a whole host of stuff like that. Like, there's there's a whole host of, like, absolutely brilliant stuff. I mean, I think Noel Murray has argued that, like, the real time machine in Back to the Future is the film itself. Yeah. And, and the sense that, like, not only... And this is the thing, because we are all time travel, travelers, because we all move through time. We just happen to move in one direction. But when you approach Back to the Future... Well, well there's a part of the mind, the time-traveling part of the mind, where, 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 where you think about the past and, and you imagine the future. The, 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 it's like a, 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 so, so, sorry, sorry, yeah, but go on, go on ahead. But, um, so what happens is when you approach Back to the Future, when you're rewatching it, you're not only approaching it from a different place in, in physical time, in that obviously, like, the 19, the 1980s, when the film was released, you know, where they were obviously a present. It was like, oh, Marty's just a regular kid. Now watching it, it's like Marty's a kid from a different time who ends up lost in a different time again. But not yeah. only that, like, one of the things I found rewatching Back to the Future and coming back to it as an adult as opposed to a teenager is the subtle shading that's added. Like, the characterization is very, very good in it. The observations are very, very good. Yeah. And so even little things that I hadn't picked up on. So, for example, this time on Rewatch, I picked up on, like, Marty's mother talking about not getting into cars with strange boys. <laughs> and then, obviously, that how that plays into the scene with her and Biff later in in the film about her when she ends up in a car with Biff, Mm. which is a very adult fear or something that's very, probably more present for adults than it would have been for kids watching the film. It certainly would have been when I was eight or nine year olds. I wouldn't have been thinking like that. But now as an adult, it's a very present fear. It's It's a fear that you approach differently watching this as an adult than as a child. It's a fascinating... It's a fascinating sort of example of how the film yeah. sort of subtly not, shades. I suppose um, her her saying that maybe not wanting her daughter yeah. to 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 get in a situation similar to that. Yeah. Well, as Bob Gale has come out and said, he's, Back to the Future could not be made today because if it was, the first question people would ask is why is a teenage boy hanging around with a gentleman <laughs> of a certain age, and that's just the, the way the world has changed. Um, I doubt a 17-year-old nowadays could go back in time to 1985, let alone 1955, and survive. <laughs> 17-year-olds are a lot different from 17-year-olds in 1985. The 1985 te- uh, teenagers would have been probably well able for 1955. Uh, technology has moved on so much that technology for teenagers now is... Well, this is the whole, like, I, I, as an adult, cannot imagine being separated from a phone yes. or a computer. For what have we done to our kids? Uh, not just our kids, to be absolutely clear. I'm a... I'm a ourselves. Like, my parents yeah. are as bad as anyone. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm a full-grown adult. If anything, the young people today, they're used to it. They grow up with it. <laughs> That's going off topic, anyway. <laughs> kids these, these days. <laughs> with their rock and roll. But with Back to the Future, the 1950s, even the 1950s they wrote about in the movie, they went back to... Never, never existed as yeah. such. It's 1950s that was in the mind of people. They wrote it in the way that people would like to have remembered the 1950s. Yeah. And that's what makes Hill Valley in the 1950s look so beautiful and the colours and the they, way the way they dress and everything about the way it was and the way we like to think it was. They do a great job, actually, of making... Um, it's Hill, Hill Valley, isn't yeah. it? Yes, yeah. yeah, of making Hill Valley look um, like a, a place of its own. Because I think at, at the Hill, Hill Valley at the beginning, mm. I, uh, uh, I, uh, certain shots of it, you're like, oh, this is L.A. Mm. <laughs> um, like, it, 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 small bits and pieces, not all of it. But, mm. but then when it goes back to the 1950s, you never get that impression at all. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it was, uh, they picked some kind of town 
Um, well, so it's all in the studio. It's actually too. it's the backlot in Universal Studios. Oh yeah, and that's why they were able to cut away everything. They made it look like grotty and dirty at the beginning, and then cleaned it up to make yeah. the fifties. And then they they, the fil- they filmed all the eighties stuff first, all the fifties stuff in the middle, and then went back to to the eighties so because of the situation. And that's why the when they got actor. when they went ahead going for the sequels, they did the same for the yeah. thing, and except for the third one, which is filmed way up in the desert. But the the thing with uh, with Hill Valley is the same set that was used for Gremlins. Mm. Oh really? Yeah. So the yeah. same so it's universal. So they could do what they want with it. Town hall does exist as a town, as it's a set, and then they were able to build what they needed to make yeah. it look like. And it, it's all very, very well done. And like one of the things I like about Hill Valley in the eighties or the eighties version mm. of it is that it it seems just enough of a hellhole that it doesn't seem dystopian, but it still seems distinctly unpleasant. So there's all like the bonds. It's like Bedford Falls. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> in, Pottersville. In, in, in Pottersville. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's it's grotty. It's got these adult theaters, these triple X theaters. It's got bonds. Uh, it's got like loan sharks. It's got all this sort of stuff. That's you know. A fact of everyday life, but it doesn't seem like Marty's particularly bothered by this. No. It's not like, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's Marty's because, not like because it, it's it's like the the amount of product placement uh, in the in, film in, in in the film, and that's I guess like some of the things that make Marty happy are Burger King, um, Burger King, Doctor Brownie, you, Di- te- Diet Pepsi, Texaco to uh, to, to gas you to up. put gas in your Toyota, um, Tab and Pepsi to to put gas Pepsi in you. Free. Pepsi free. It's sugar I, free. I, I I love that kind of Abbott and Costello mm. thing that they do in in in, in the diner. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. Where it's yeah. like, give me oh, a tab. You, I can't give oh. you a tab unless you order something. <laughs> okay, give me a Pepsi free. Hey, I'm gonna give you a Pepsi, but you're gonna pay for it. <laughs> well, this and then it's like, you want to clean up this town? <laughs> Start with this spot right Start here. Clean the floor. See, there's, yeah. there's a spin-off. That I goes want. into. They made the 80s look as grotty as they could because that's Marty's present time. That's what he yeah. thinks Hill Valley has always been like. That's what he imagines. Yeah. So when he comes through in the 50s, he thinks he's in a different town. Yeah. His place is so clean. Everybody's uh, polite and talking to each other and nice and everything seems different and all the rest of it. Because it is, you but find that uh, you're dealing with Reagan's America, 1980s. Uh, everything's moved out of town to Twin Pines Mall. All the big shops are out there. That's where, where all of the, the mall. retail outlets. And in, in the urban centres of decay and, you know, yeah. uh, porn shops whatever you want to call them you know yeah. uh, different things like that and that's why when you go back to the 50s that's the 50s of Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis imagined it was when they grew up everybody thinks when they grew up it was better it was a better place yeah. you know here's the thing though like I mean you say that but there's just enough there it's not like let's be honest Back to the Future is not like a gritty realistic take of life in the 50s but there is just enough there to suggest that there's something a little bit unpleasant there like I mean yeah for, you, you, you have the stuff with sorry well, yeah, yeah, the stuff with the African Americans, for example, being called, you know, being referred to using like PG thirteen, you know, audience friendly racial epitaphs. You have, for example, the the mayor who's sweeping floors because he's black, and his little talk about how he needs to learn to stand up for himself and, and all this sort of stuff. You have even the attitude generally towards women as well. Where, but is that what makes Back to the Future so endearing to this day? That if that film was made now, we just go straight, he'd go straight back into some sort of racial issue, or you know, or uh, issue with women's rights or whatever whereas Marty's just this teenage kid and that all just goes over his head everything oh, the yeah, fact no, that no, he's I, gone back in time is over his head no I, I mean it's, I, I, know, I think it's there but it's not obtrusive yes, like I think, I think uh, that's, if, if, uh, it's not preaching if no, no, and yeah. Gale went down that road it would be a completely different film yeah you know, it's not like Quantum Leap where he ends up in the Watts riots or <laughs> yeah. you know that kind of thing or ends up in the body of a woman and has to learn yeah. how difficult you it know, is to be a woman at a certain point in time it, essentially suburban white America that's where yeah. Marty's family originate that's where they come from and that's what he's dealing with 
Um, it doesn't really go into any racial. Uh, yeah, no, no, it, it doesn't necessarily dig deeply it's into light it. It's touch. Yeah, 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 that's it. I, I think it's there. I, I think it doesn't labour it, but I think it's like I think there's enough there to suggest the fifties is more complicated even than it initially appears. Mm. That, yeah. like that the veneer is really but just it a veneer. It doesn't like um, re- really kind of sit down on that. No, no, no. Um, and I mean, like that, that's this is a this is a family friendly film with a, with an attempted rape at the climax. Like it's <laughs> you know it's not it's. It does. It manages its tone very, very well and very, very carefully. I yeah. think in order to pull off what it does. I love how much swear words there. Uh, yeah. It, 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 like for the um, for a, a PG thirteen film in yeah, the eighties. I would like if we had more swear words on this. I understand why we don't, Darren. It's okay. It, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, at the time. Any a lot of the films that were coming out from Hollywood of teenagers in them were R-rated films. You had Fast Times at Richmond High, Breakfast Club. So to come out with Back to the Future, which was a sci-fi, was lead was a teenage boy, uh, and to to go down that road, it was it wasn't as racy as those films. Oh yeah, no, but dealt yeah. with issues. Uh, yeah. You know, well, I mean, this is the thing. It is a hybrid of like that John Hughes style with mm. some Spielbergian wonder. Like I mean, I mean, those films were heavy, but you could go to watch Back to the Future because it's this is word heavy. Yeah, this is lighter. <laughs> you know, has the words gravity? Has the world's gravity been affected? You know, like you're watching Breakfast Club and thinking, "Am I happy? Am I depressed?" And then you watch Back <laughs> to the Future, you're not depressed. You're yeah. just like, "Oh yeah, excited." It's you're got like, that sort of sense of wonder <clears> and enthusiasm to it. That very Spielbergian thing. Like I mean, the famous story about how it was originally going to be like a capsule, like a fridge that they traveled That's back in right. time. And he was going to go out to the desert because they were testing the A-bomb and that was... Yeah, the, that was going to be the nuclear power that would get them home. Interestingly enough, that's that's where the idea came from for Crystal Skull. Mm. So oh, yeah. He gets in the, in the he fridge. He gets in the fridge and yeah. gets nuked. They didn't want to do oh. it then because they were afraid children were going to get stuck in fridges yeah. around the country. So that so was... It was, was much no-no. safer to have children driving cars. The studio said no, no. <laughs> so. But it gave us the DeLorean. If you want to be cool. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the whole get concept. fridge. Ford offered them, I don't know, hundreds of thousands to use Ford as the time machine. And uh, I think it was Bob Gale said to them straight out, Doc Brown does not drive a Ford. Yeah. You know, they wanted something different. And DeLorean being out of business, it was very easy for them to get DeLorean yeah. in it. And it did look great. And it does look great to this yeah. day. And it's still, I think there's probably more DeLorean. Were they out of business at the time? He was. Wow. Yeah, they went out of business 82, 83. <laughs> that, make, that makes sense. Because this is a terrible advertisement for DeLoreans. <laughs> no, they, Every goddamn they time and, you try and, to John DeLorean, it, up, it breaks down. John DeLorean wrote a letter to Universal thanking them for all the things. But, you know, it's probably two it's years too late. late. Yeah. But they were out. Of, that's, what made it, that's what made it it's so easy to have the car so visible that DeLorean yeah. markers hasn't been changed or anything. Pride of Belfast. <laughs> it's funny though, there's probably more DeLoreans in the world left today than there is of that uh, uh, Toyota that he gets at the end, the black yeah. Toyota Jeep. <laughs> well, it's certainly a, a classical model. It's become more and more iconic. Oh, it has. In fact, I mean, you and I went there's to a place in, There's a place in Houston remaking them. If you want a DeLorean, they, have the, they bought everything from the old plant in Belfast. And they're the moulds and the stuff. The moulds are making them from scratch now. So they, you, can buy oh, a, wow. you can buy a DeLorean. And are they still... They're making them electric hybrid, but you can still buy your petrol powered engine okay but it's a plutonium powered this is the real question <laughs> well you can get one bottled on the film or you can just buy a bog standard so are they the still complete crocs that break down uh, the they used to have Renault, <laughs> Renault. like in the movie they had, that's the one they, I want they that's had, authentic it's funny well, that, the, the original DeLorean had a Renault engine in it but the one they had in the film they took it apart and put a Porsche yes, engine in to make it go as fast as they did um, I don't know why they just break down but that's uh, <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to uh, so that they could um, out, uh, outspeed the Libyans yeah, yeah can see, in yeah. a Volkswagen van yeah. you, you, you know that the, the, that was apparently cut from the film after September 11th 
for a couple of years after well, September the 11th after 9-11 a lot of stuff for cover, uh, from a lot of films but yeah. I remember even in The Simpsons after Princess Diana died they cut out uh, paparazzi from you know where Mr Burns is in the sandpit yeah. shouting up at the cameraman they cut it out ah. so that's just the way the world goes they cut these things but they come yeah. back I've seen it well, I mean they cut the New York episode the New York episode of The Simpsons was obviously taken out of syndication for a while afterwards mm. I just found it I've just imagined watching Back to the Future there I was imagining how the plot would make any sense whatsoever if you took out, like, the main motivating factor. Like, well, why is Marty driving at 88 miles an hour in the car park lot if there are no terrorists? I... 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 Um, they're, they're, Scene deleted. <laughs> aren't there... Um, aren't there these kind of, like, YouTube videos where they talk about how... Um, you know that the Illuminati uh, planned um, all of these things, like the World Trade Center coming down, because they placed all of these little hints in hints these movies in popular culture. <laughs> and I think there is a uh, Simpsons where it's like when when buildings um, collapse, collapse, yeah, where there's like a plane flying into a yeah. Well, there's all, all that sort of crazy conspiracy theory stuff, and I, I love. There's apparently like an online community that speculates about like how the characters in Back to the Future got to where they needed to be for the film to start, because this is where we are as pop culture, where we aren't willing to accept suspension of disbelief or like necessary stuff that's necessary to get the plot going. Like people are wondering about Doc Brown's secret history with the Libyans, where he you know traveled overseas and worked as a bomb maker in well, order to get the plutonium. The original. That's where he was gone for one week. Muhammad <laughs> <laughs> Gaddafi. <laughs> Doc Brown's original backstory was that he was one of the Manhattan Project. He had worked on the Manhattan ah, Project. Yeah, oh, wow. So that he would have been a young scientist at the time working, nice. working there on nuclear physics and all the yeah. rest of making the bomb, which does make a know, certain amount of sense. sense yeah. Well, you know that, for example, the way that he pronounces gigawatts, that's apparently how scientists pronounce it. For example, the scientist who worked as the advisor in the film yeah. was the person who pronounces gigawatts, and, and Christopher Lloyd was like, that's how I'm going to say gigawatts. And as opposed briefly to mentioned, 21. Briefly mentioned yeah. in the third movie is that he, uh, there was no Browns in Hill Valley before 1910. Before they came to Hill Valley after... Yeah, in, in 1910, and then changed their name during the First World War from Von Braun. Uh-huh. So that's supposed, we're supposed to imagine that he's related to Werner Von Braun of the Saturn V rocket. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the V2 rocket fame. Yeah. And obviously and you have Braun. like the photos of all the scientists and Albert mm-hmm. Einstein oh, and stuff like that. His dog is Copernicus in the 50s. It's, it's Einstein in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, this is one of the things like the... Um, like, it's great, I, all of these. The, the, oh, little connection nuggets yeah I mean like this is the thing with the as, as Kieran pointed out like one of the big things with modern movie going and it's something that I'm, I'm really really annoyed with with modern audiences or with modern like criticism and in inverted commas it's what, you po- it's what you pointed out like the you know 10 things wrong with whatever in 15 minutes right but it's it's the whole like these days as Kieran pointed out it would be impossible to accept like a version of Marty McFly who just hangs around with an 80-year-old scientist or a 70-year-old scientist or whatever old Doc Brown's meant to be. Not just for those reasons, but like you have people who would go, well, why are they friends? How did it happen that they met each other? And you're like, that's not this story. Mm. It's okay for this story to begin well, with you, Marty and Doc hanging out together. And it's okay as well because in the movie, uh, Strickland is, is like, why are you hanging around with that old man for? He's a crackpot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that was Bob Gale's excuse, was that apparently he heard, he heard enough people saying Doc Brown was a crackpot that he had to go and find out for himself, and that's how he ended up being friends with him. Yeah. Um, and, but, like, you don't even need that. It's like, the movie needs a teenager and a mad scientist to be close friends. That's the basic premise of the movie. You start there. Marty's eyes are our eyes watching the film. Uh, he doesn't understand about gigawatts or the flux capacitor or anything like that, or even yeah. plutonium, but he knows enough 
just to know about plutonium you can't just buy it at the store yeah. uh, and then he you know you find he's able to have well at one stage he literally like, is the audience with the it, camera staring at Doc Brown it, it, as Doc his Brown mind is so, I so, love that scene his yeah, mind yeah. is so innocent that it, he's in the 1950s okay so I'm in the 1950s it's not like oh he has a meltdown I'm in the 1950s no <laughs> An I'm in the 1950s crisis. and he's smart enough to know to go look up Doc Brown in the phone book or yeah. whatever it may be so. I thought he was going to look up his girlfriend's granny because <laughs> she gave him the number <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like alright because <laughs> um, I know by Back to the Future logic that, right that, that means it. she would be played by the same actor based yeah. on what we know from the sequels <laughs> yeah. which is why it's surprising that George McFly actually looks like Crispin Glover I was half expecting Doc Brown to be like well you do know that like traditionally people's parents look exactly like them at this age so what happens is you should totally totally go out with your mother that's how we solve this <laughs> yeah absolutely but it, it's such a beautiful film just to, to watch Doc and how Brown it's put never together. suggested that at any point <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was like well, it's clear what you have to do now. <laughs> but there's so much, and I don't want to go into the trilogies too much, the, 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 yeah. the next two movies, but the whole trilogy as a package, there's so much. I think you can. They're not on the list. They're I mean, not on the list, I mean, but by going into go, them. Uh, because them go ahead and see there's it. so much of the first film in the second film, because they had to go back and recreate that dance scene in the second movie, which is from the first film. Bit by bit, dance by dance, because Marty's up on stage and then he's above, climbing above. Well, he's interacting with the element he's in. Yeah, couldn't get Billy's aim because he was just so hot right then. (laughs) (laughs) They got to flee instead. (laughs) But I I mean, the the whole thing with Back to the Future 2 is like, and I really love Back to the Future 2, is you have this element of like interacting with the film's internal history. Mm. It's not just that Marty's like stepping out into 1953, he's stepping back into the movie that you saw two summers ago. Yeah, yeah. And step by step, how did they do it? camera angles and this is long before the CGI well, that we have today well that's Zemeckis I would argue that's the point at which Zemeckis becomes interested in that sort of stitching together yeah, yeah. and it, it works remarkably well it holds up as this very I mean, sort of clever postmodern the second movie on its own has an individual movie there's so much in it because he yeah. he's in the future then he's back in the alternative 1985 then he's in the 50s yeah. then he's back to and then he's in 1885 the very end so like how does it all like yes yeah. uh, I, I really really like the second one I have to say I have a huge fondness for it despite I don't think either of the sequels are as good as the first one, to be clear. I don't think... Mm. But you find, by watching the trilogy through, that there's an awful lot from films that Zemeckis and Gale would have watched growing up. You see the scene where George McFly gets shot and his father gets shot and he goes to the cemetery to find his grave. It's only years later I was watching It's a Wonderful Life and he's in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. I read, that's from Back to the Future. No, hang on a second. They took that from that. And there's so much in these films taken from other films, you know, yeah. that they grew up watching. And that's why I like films like Scream, because Scream, the original Scream 1, was the, the horror film of the 90s. Yeah. There's so much in that from horror films that went before. Yeah. Of course, the problem is so much came after Scream, with Scream 2, Scream 3, and Scary Movie, should dare I mention it. Copies that's, of copies That's kind of copies. like, young people today don't take Scream serious. But Scream <laughs> 1, on its own, as a movie, brilliant. Well, I mean, that, that's your sort of 90s, sort of postmodernist, sort of like history, like history, the snake eating its own well, That's sort of I think in the 90s, especially Back to the Future s- suffered because people were like, well, that's that was set in the eighties. You know, forget about it. That's gone. And I, and I think, well, I think we, we all kind oh, of grew up. We did. It. We grew up watching it. But I think it wasn't until the noughties and there was a bit of an eighties revival that people were kind of like to accept Back to the Future again as the family friendly movie that it was. And it's just like I think it's more appreciated now. I don't know if it really had any time where it's, it was. I, f- I find it's the same reason why there was no Ghostbusters three. People were kind of like, let's just leave this as. I, I would suggest that Ghostbusters 2 is one of the reasons why no, there was no Ghostbusters yeah, no, 3. I think if there was a Ghostbusters 3, Donald Trump probably would have been in it because I think every New York movie in the early 90s he was in. Um, but yeah, like, 
Uh, okay, fine. I, appar- I apparently slowed and down. Trump was in this movie too. <laughs> uh, no, you're thinking Back to the Future too. This time, yeah. <laughs> well, like, it, but it does re- 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 remind us a little bit. Of yeah, it. with his hair and his comb over. I, I think back um, to to um, uh, primary school and secondary school and think. If I didn't beat up those bullies, <laughs> they, they would have drove up. They would have, yeah, went on to to, to be, be Biff, yeah. from Back to the Future too. Yeah, so you really did and us all a ho- service. Hopefully, they're they're like sniveling, worms. <laughs> not put, not putting enough wax on the car, like because that that's the thing. Like, let's talk about like why the movie works as well as it does. Like why it has that sort of eternal appeal to it. Bob Gale has argued that, like, one of the primary appeals of Back to the Future has nothing so much to do with time travel. It's more, and uh, this is where Darren gets stereotypically Freudian, but it's got this sort of attitude of children, the moment where, as a child, you realize that your parents are people. Um, And, you know, in some cases, that's the moment that you realize your parents are going to die. But in in this case, Mm. it's the moment you realize that your parents were young, that your parents were kids, that your parents loved, laughed, made mistakes, were socially awkward, went through the same things you did. And that they're not like infallible God figures. They're actual human beings. Where Bob Gale came up with, he was the one who came up with the original idea for Back to the Future. And it was, he was back home visiting his parents one Christmas and he was in the attic and he found his father's annual yearbook, yearbook, yearbook. Was, yeah. and he found that his father was uh, president he- wasn't head, class head president? student yeah head class president and he didn't realise it because his father had grown up with this other completely quiet man and all the activities and groups that he was in and everything and he looked at his father and realised if I had gone to school with him would I have been friends with him yeah. you know yeah. I wouldn't have associated with him and this is kind of like where I got thinking if you went back in time and you met your dad would you be friends with your dad would you have hung out with him or, yeah. and that's where you kind of that's I, I fear my dad might have been too it's, cool for me and, yeah. it's, and it's amazing as well because because kind of um, like on one level Marty McFly um, if they didn't do it right he could he could have been very unlikable because he's great at everything so you want to be him but he's also very insecure yeah they, 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 uh, and and he 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 has he has these lines that are uh, repeated verbatim yeah. uh, by 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 his father, where it's like, uh, uh, what 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 if they don't like me? What if they don't think I'm any good? I just don't think I could handle that yeah. rejection. Yeah. and then yeah. the, his his father saying the same thing. That's yeah. definitely coming from a writer director's point of view. You tell yeah. who wrote that script was thinking he's an artist anyway because yeah. he's thinking of my stuff won't be liked. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, you've got to keep in mind that, like, Gale and Zemeckis' last two collaborations have both been bombs. It was only because Zemeckis had just done Romancing the Stone with, mm. um, with was it Michael Douglas and yeah. Sharon Stone? Kathleen Turner, was No, it? Kathleen Turner, apologies. Uh, where they, that they'd had sort of the juice or the leverage to get this made. So yeah. I can and Spielberg's backing was, yeah. was a big part of it because he took the chance. But yeah, so I, I can see a lot of that anxiety there. But there's something very relatable in Marty. Like, you're right when you say that he is extraordinarily good at everything. Um, <laughs> like skateboarding, guitar playing, Thing. Like he gives, he inspires Chuck Berry as from his cousin <laughs> Marvin Berry. Marvin Berry, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and 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 he's got like this, um, like uh, fantastic girlfriend who's in love with him. Yeah, um, and um, like it, 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 the the only thing uh, the the that's wrong is 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 that he's. He, he yeah he he doesn't truly believe in himself in spite of that and he also has a uh, f- f- family that he doesn't um, respect it yeah 
Yeah. Mm. We well, see his mother has a drinking problem and his father is being bullied under, at work. Under, under Biff's thumb. Yeah, and being bullied at work and his, his brother is working in Burger King. He thinks he probably could be better and his, uh, the, the sister isn't getting any dates. So the, this is Reagan's America we're talking about, you know. So you can see at the end where it's, everything's great and everything's yeah. good again. Would the film be done like that now? Was there what? anything wrong with the, the way well, you know that The um, structure of it is amazing. The, the structure of yeah. the script is fantastic. Like the where you get all the callbacks and references. So for example, yeah. you get Biff at the start who's like, you know, hello, yeah. hello, and i got to recopy like, it. If, and if, yeah, I, if, if I hand it in in your handwriting, yeah. I'll be fired. <laughs> you know, my boss is going to see it. And then it's like later Why on when they're everyone, at school, he's like, you know when they're at school it's like and that, I can't hand that, goes through, the whole, that, that goes through the whole trilogy because you have uh, Flea then from Red Hot Chili Peppers who's Marty's boss in the future yeah. giving him grief and putting him down and all the rest of it and that goes through without getting too political I think the, the trilogy as a film especially in the first one are they yearning back to when America was great the whole let's make America great again thing was that America when it was great you know we're kind of thinking like that's our view of what the world do we all kind of think when we grew up was the better time was it a time well like America nostalgia America in the 50s was great for an awful lot of people if you were white if you were white and a man yeah it's it's the whole thing is like after World War 2 they they all the money yeah because like their 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 main kind of like industrial opponents had been completely level like yeah. uh, uh, Britain, France, Germany, yeah, the uh, European Japan, continent, even which Russia, is, which is to Doc's amazement when Marty says to him, uh, "No wonder this chip is saying it's made in Japan." And he says, "All the best stuff is made in Japan." Yeah, great Scott, you can't <laughs> believe it, you know. Yeah. That's or even Liam, the Ronald Reagan as as uh, as an actor, as a director. But I mean, like, there's or an actor. Oh, that, that's a, like that 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 was such a kind of like fantastic reference, like especially probably at the time. Not yeah. the time. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. that, that when the film was screened at the White House, um, Reagan actually laughed so hard that he had the projectionist stop the screening. Go back and run the last five minutes uh, because he <laughs> you want to watch it again. You want to watch it. But how how the world has changed now that we probably expect our next next president of America to be an actor, and we wouldn't think twice about it. <laughs> you know, I remember when I've of seen course. footage when Reagan was inaugurated originally for the first time. People were more concerned that he'd been divorced twice before. You know, they yeah. were they were the issues of the time, and yeah. this is how the world has changed. What Doc Brown says, of of of, of course, um, the presidents are actors in the future, yeah. so that they can look good on television. Mm. Yeah, and this, which is a very pointed, very political. Yeah, reference well, this is five years before Kennedy as well, yeah. so yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I mean, but I mean, I think that you're onto something there, with, like how we like to remember the past. It is worth noting that, according to Gale and according to Zemeckis, the reason that it was set in the fifties was pure mathematics, in yeah, that it the, had the, to the, be the parents' age. Yeah. The parents had to be 17 and mm. Marty had to be 17. So if you do the maths right, it had to be some point in the 50s. Mm. Um, and I think that that sort of that logic works. But I do think that there is something there about how we picture the past and how we remember the past and whether or not the past is what we imagine it to have been. Because it's worth noting that when Marty goes back in time, he is, first of all, really creeped out by his mother and also really weirded out by his father. Like his father's a peeping Tom. Um, and it's you know his father is obviously Crispin Glover who's always been a bit eccentric but when you get to 1955 do love a bit of Crispin Glover by the way he's amazing you know why he didn't come back for the sequels um, I heard this story um, and they they recast him but they had him like upside down yeah so, <laughs> so as to conceal the recasting yeah, very but well done though he, um, he basically uh, he thought the ending to the first film was too materialistic 
with the the family household where like the brother's wearing a suit and they're eating like a mango mm. and you know Marty has a big car in the garage which is very Reagan era very has 80s. A point. he does probably have a bit of a point um, and he, he strikes me as the kind of person who yeah like, like like you say would be a bit eccentric and would be the kind of person to have like these kind uh, kinds of opinions um, on a yeah, film that yeah. they're making well, I mean famously like the actors have talked about it. it was a famously troubled shoot I mean we'll probably talk about detail oh, Karen yeah. knows more than anything Anybody here, I suspect. Well, I know about Eric Stoltz was originally Marty McFly. Yes, he was. And was shot for five, the whole film was shot for five weeks. The opening five weeks were shot. You're talking all the town square 1950s bits were shot. Yeah. With Eric Stoltz as the main actor. And and uh, everybody And knew. they just knew it. Gail and Smeckers would just look at themselves. It's just like, he's a great actor, but he's not. They, they wanted Michael J. Fox, who at the time was one of the biggest young stars in Hollywood. He was on Family Ties on television, but he was filming Family Ties at the time. Yeah. So he, when they did eventually get him, he would film Family Ties in the day, get into a car, straight to Universal Studios, film Back to the Future overnight, back in the car, and go back to doing Family Ties during the day. Yeah, so he, he worked. Have Family Ties would have him until 6pm. Yeah. Back to the Future would have him until 2am. Yeah. And they talk about how, like, between takes, he'd be falling asleep in yeah. his little chair yeah. um, because he was... All the energy that it took to get... Good, get thing, it good thing most time on a studio is spent doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, um, he would have been exhausted. But, um, but no, like, I mean, like, the Stoltz thing, the Stoltz thing is actually really sad when when you read about it because everybody knew that Stoltz wasn't working out and it, like Stoltz himself apparently called director Peter Bogdanovich to say that he didn't think he was working out either but because they had to wait for the contracts to clear with yeah. with sorry with um, Michael J Fox and because of certain contractual obligations with Stoltz they had to continue shooting six weeks with him. Mm. So there were about four weeks where everybody, well, okay, not everybody, but the director, the producer, and several key actors all knew that he was gone. You have, like, people who are working on the film saying that they knew that he was basically toast when Zemeckis stopped shooting his reaction shots. When he was like, I want to, I want the camera on Doc Brown, I want it on So they could Lloyd. use that footage later on. Later on, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And apparently everybody but Stoltz realising, like, having meetings with, like, senior actors and saying, look, there's going to be a change, you're going to be running on this bit longer because, you know, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Apparently when uh, Christopher Lloyd was told that Eric Stoltz was being fired, his first response was, oh, who's Eric? Uh, because apparently when Stoltz was shooting, Stoltz was very like young Marlon Brando method actor mm. he would insist that the entire cast and crew but call see, him Marty why, that's why but th- this is, yeah sorry you were saying oh sorry the, that's why he hasn't been in very many yeah. movies since because he he, same, he went method for the, the mask as well the same, yeah. same, where, same where, where he changed his face to look like that well that's the thing he actually <laughs> had not that pe- many roles for, <laughs> for, for people with, with elephant man but face it's the same sorry. with Crispin Glover like if you he was too much he was offering too much he was saying oh, I'd rather my character be more, more like this yeah. Semeckis and Gale it's their way really yeah. at the highway because they're very much but you can see why they wanted Michael J. Fox because he's not intense he's not he's he very natural very natural likeable guy you mean he came walking in the room now very likeable yeah. and that's why everybody warmed to him well, he, apparently he did apparently the, the cast and crew like everybody really 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 didn't like Stoltz like the, the guy who played Biff uh, Wilson is it um, what, yeah, what's sorry, the name of the actor yeah, Fred Wilson he's Fred hilarious Wilson. he was fantastic yeah. he's, but, but he's a very funny guy like yeah, yeah but his abiding he's a great guy at telling a story his abiding memory of Stoltz is shooting the scene in the cafeteria where he you know where he's starting to pick on the mother and Marty comes over and picks him up and they start shoving each other right and Stoltz, who was full method actor, would push Wilson with all of his might in every single take. 
Um, and Sam Wilson was like, "Dude, you can, you know, we can, we don't have to do it all the time." They, they, but Stoltz was like, "No, we, we give it everything, one hundred and ten percent." Apparently, he bruised his collarbone. He bruised uh, Wilson's collarbone. They say Fred team. Wilson is a, a, gentle, a gentle giant, and uh, right through the movies, like he gave it all. Because <laughs> in the second role, he he played uh, Biff in different times as well. Yeah. And, uh, Wilson's great. But then in the third film, he completely learned how to ride a horse, wow. sew a rope. Everything for his character as the cowboy in the third film, you know, which we probably might get into in a bit and yeah. talk about the third film. <laughs> but it, it, it's like Wilson's fantastic and Fox is fantastic. Fox is just oh, yeah. charisma. Like, I mean, as you pointed out, like, Marty is good at everything. He should be an intensely irritating little so-and-so. I actually like the way we grow with Marty's character from the first movie into the third movie because by the third movie, he's actually the voice of reason with Doc Brown. Doc's fallen in love with a girl, you know. That was Marty in the first film. He's, yeah. But now Doc's fallen up and Doc wants to stay in the past and Marty has to tell him. Sometimes you got to do what's right up here, not down here. In, in, sorry, yeah. from brain to heart, you can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, but this is the, the interesting thing about Marty as a character in the trilogy as a whole, right? Which is that Marty, although he's nominally the protagonist, he's largely like an enabler. Like the big action or story beats at the climax of Back to the Future involve George standing up to Biff and then pushing the guy down at the at the dance floor yeah. while Marty is up there playing guitar. The Charminator. Yeah. <laughs> we only see... But, Marty, uh, they, we know that later on, you find out more in the second movie that he has a problem but when he's called Chicken from yeah. standing down from a fight. And then obviously he, he went ahead and bought the Almanac, which was a, wasn't a good idea. He wanted to place a few bets and sure, yeah. everything else. But I mean, even at the climax of Back to the Future, the stakes are all on Doc Brown. It's mm. Doc Brown, whether Doc Brown can connect the wires. Mm. Marty's literally just sitting in a car, pushing his pedal to the metal. And it's very well shot. But like in terms of like where the stakes are, they're not on Marty, which is fascinating mm. given that he's the driving force of the movie in, in many ways. That's it. Quite literally, the driving force of the movie. Um, but do we want to talk a little bit about the the going back in time and meeting his parents? I, I'd, I'd I'd like to talk for a moment about what does Darren Mooney think of Marty McFly? What? So, like, how did you feel when Marty was hitching on the back of trucks? Did, did, <laughs> did I think he was irresponsible, irresponsible? and dangerous yeah. and reckless <laughs> and potentially li- causing liable? Yeah, why is he playing that music so loud? He yeah. could hurt his ears. Yeah, um, why can't he be responsible? Um, yeah, what kind of kid is friends with an 80-year-old scientist who steals plutonium? That Doc Brown is a bad influence. That was <laughs> I'm not that much of a killjoy. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew likes to paint me as a bit of a killjoy. He's like, no fun, Mooney. Um, no, you're lots of fun, Mooney. <laughs> that's the official nickname. But yeah, I mean, it is it is fascinating. The, um, like, the construction of the film, and in particular, the handling of Marty. Because he's still a well-formed and interesting character. And you're right when you say that he has flaws. I actually don't like the chicken stuff from the second and third films. I feel that's a bit heavy. That was a bit to give him because it was supposed to be the car cra- the car accident that he was in that ends up uh, never being able to play guitar, yeah. so he can't be in a band and be rich and famous, and he regrets that. Yeah. Uh, as I said, Reagan's America eighties. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if they made the film now, would be a bit more. Uh, you know, as social inclusion and yeah. he, he learning loves, to he love loves, your family. He loves his family. That's all that matters. No, no, no. He wasn't a success in a band, and that was tough going. You know, <laughs> it, it is a very California in the eighties film, in particular, as well. It's Southern California, but I, I like that too. I like that about yeah. it. You know, it, it, uh... well, it's unapologetically a product of its time. And I mean, that's the thing when rewatching 
Back to the Future from the eyes of like a 2015 or 2018 audience. Why does he have to punch him? <laughs> it's very much in the style of like it does. Oh, no, actually, that's not true. But uh, pun- punching Nazis is, uh, and I guess Biff is the the Nazi in this. Pretty so, much, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the, the, but I'm talking more about like fashion and stuff like that. Like, there's a sense of like the jokes have kind of circled back around, so they're almost yeah. like reflexive. So, like when people are commenting on Marty's clothes when he goes back to the 50s, mm. when the film was released in the 80s, it was like, oh, this is hilarious. They don't get that people dress like this. Now the joke has like a double layer of hilarity yeah. where it's like people actually used to dress like this. Mm. Um, and it's sort of, there's a lot of stuff in there that works very much sort of in that style. I think double Skate. denim has come back though. They yeah. do, and they do. But I think by the time they made the third film, it was 1990 and they had no, they realized too, 1985 had long come and gone. Yeah. So they, they were very conscious of that. So when he goes back to the 1885 wearing his Nikes and all the rest of it, they're very conscious. He says, to, Doc says to him when he comes into the, um, the movie theater, you know, the yeah. car park where they're yeah. about to head off in the 1885. He's still wearing the Nikes. He says, shouldn't be wearing them here in 1955, let alone 1885. <laughs> and he's wearing a, a cowboy getup. And if you look closely, it's got atomic symbols on it. It's from the 1950s. It's yeah. a cowboy suit from the 1950s. He's going to wear it back to 1885. Yeah. You know, and he says, uh, I don't feel like Clint Eastwood or whatever. And Doc says, who? And then he goes, that's right, you haven't heard of him. And he points at a movie poster. And it's one of Clint Eastwood's early Western films from 1955 yeah. in the drive-thru cinema. It's all little things you pick up on, you know. You see, too, in Back to the Future 2, when they're in the future, Doc is wearing, a, like, a Hawaiian shirt. But on it is trains and cowboys. Because they already had the script for three May. They well, knew this is how three is going to end. Again, like, you want to talk about the influence of Back to the Future on, on movie making. It's It's kind of... It's very telling and a little sad that the biggest influence, we talked about how they don't make movies like Back to the Future anymore. They do make a lot of movies like Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3 where they plan the two sequels immediately yes. after the yeah, first you, one. And now you've mentioned that, you'd be right. And they There's tend a lot to, more films maybe like Back to the Future 2 as well. Where you have that sort of you know, reflexive There's a lot quality. going on. Uh, but and it, because and it was Back to the Future, there's a lot you can you can I I, I relate to a lot yeah. more easier going. I can and there's it. a lot more sort of reflexive quality, a lot more sort of nostalgia for not only nostalgia for the fifties, but nostalgia for the experience of watching films about the fifties yeah. and stuff like that. Well, but I mean, in terms of like plotting sequels, you obviously think of like the Matrix Revolutions and Reloaded. You think of, for example, like the development. Of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, despite the way that it turned out, um, and you think of stuff like, for example, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the. DC Extended Universe, you think of the way in which we, like, you have, what's his name, James Cameron, who's talking about, was it like four different sequels to Avatar, (laughs) none of which have been made yet. But you look at that and you think Back to the Future 2 and 3 were kind of a template for that, because they Mm. were, as you point out, they were written together, they were developed together. I think the original idea was that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, in the second film they wanted to go back to the Wild West, but Universal said, why would people go and see a Western? And they're like, okay, if we get to make a Western, can, can, we'll do something you want to do, but yeah. we get to make a Western at the end. And you're well, like, okay. I think too with the second one, especially when they're in the future. Now we're here in 2018. We've, we've, we're, Where's we're, my hoverboard? We're, here, we're in the future right now. <laughs> so when 2015 came along and everybody celebrated the fact, uh, when originally they were making the second movie, they said, if we're going to go in the future, what's the future we want to go into? And that's why they have flying cars because you know they they went for the future that yeah they, it's they, the future as seen from 1985. Uh, I read I read that no Zeme- fax machines. I read that Zemeckis and Gale were very influenced by um, 
stories they'd read up on on the World's Fair of 1939 and the World's Fair in New York in 1964 and the future worlds that were there. People would go along to these events that would predict what the future would look like. And they said, that's what we want the future to look yeah. like. And that, that, that makes for a good movie. And we live now in 2018 and I don't look at that and think they got the future completely wrong. Cause they no, they no. like when because, was the Jetsons? Because, yeah. <laughs> but like, what I, what, what, uh, there's great, like uh, when, you look at, like, when you look online to fan zones and fan websites where they kind of detail why we don't have such and such and why we don't have this, people say that the guy, the guy who invented the flying car was um, his great 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 grandfather or whatever grandmother was on the train that Marty and Doc hijacked in the third movie so he never got to his destination of San Francisco where he would have met his wife and married and they would have had the children that would have invented or the, the descendants who would have invented the flying car and, and that's, why, the future that's why there's no flying cars writes out, writes out its own history yeah, yeah. writes out its own history what do you mean? Well, there was a flat screen TV in Marty's house in the future this was in 1989 this was made so yeah. they didn't get it all wrong mm. I mean no it is worth they had the uh, what's it called Alexa oh the Siri voice yeah, Siri and oh, the fruit okay, fruit, fruit the fruit comes down you know yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love by the red the, the uh, Rube Goldberg machines oh, at the, at the and start. the model work well, it's, it's yeah. Well, he didn't have a lot of time, Andrew. He didn't get <laughs> to properly scale it. I mean, that's, like the the in, great thing about the introductory sequence, which has a Rube Goldberg, but she didn't, is how carefully. This is an example we talked earlier at the start about how Back to the Future is used to teach screenwriting, mm. how it's used to teach movie making, and how everything is essential. Think about the opening sequence of the movie. It's not a particularly showy opening scene. It doesn't have a lot of action in it. It's it's it's, yeah, it's all cl- mm. it's mostly clocks. It's like text that's fairly standard. It doesn't have a flashy logo. It doesn't have like a pre-title sequence. It doesn't have a teaser. It doesn't have like a you know text on a back backdrop telling you information. What you have is you have a slow camera pan through Doc Brown's office. That that very gradually and very cleverly tells you everything that you need to know about him. Obviously, it opens on clocks, but it pans across and it pans down to his bed and you see that it's messy. The newspaper articles on the wall indicate that he had a mansion that burnt down. He lost his family fortune. And now he's sort of missing. Where that is, is the garage that they run down the garden to. That's the garage. And you find out now there's a Burger King outside. That's how the world has changed in 30 years. You have him eat. You have his like the the Burger King that the Burger King that he's eating because he's obviously in a bit of a rush. He's not like taking care of himself. He's very much in sort of frantic style. You have a pan across to the coffee machine that's not working because there's nothing actually there because it hasn't been replaced. You get, and, and like it's not... It's been gone for a week. Yeah. And it's not very artsy. It's like, as in like Zemeckis's primary focus with that is not to do a long take because you then get the scene with the dog opener, the can with the dog food in it. Um, and you get that working, but that you get a cut in the long take to show you that the meat is basically landing on this giant pile on the floor because Einstein's not eating it. And then you cut back to the long take, which gives you Marty entering. Marty entering. It's a slow reveal as well. Yeah. Le- um, uh, uh, two, two, two obligatory um, 250, 250 Robocop references in, in the beginning scene. Yeah. So to get them out early is a newscast yes. of, of, of of the plutonium being stolen. Yeah. At, um, like, like the beginning of Robocop. <laughs> and also the slow reveal... Of where of, the plutonium of, is. No, of, of, of Michael J. Fox. Yeah, yeah the plutonium it, it, under the table as well. So, like, you, you see you, you see him kind of, like, slowly kind of uh, come in. You see, like, his feet. You see, like... Uh, his feet his moving back. a bag being put down. Yeah. You then see him playing a guitar, but you don't see his face. You only see his face after he blows the amp and gets picked up and it's kind of it's a nice hero shot because he lifts himself out of the kind of cardboard and you see him wearing sunglasses and suddenly he's cool i wonder now was that a thing was there men old men who were scientists in the garages at the back of their houses in the 50s 60s i think nowadays it's more young people who are are tech tech tech-minded 
savvy d- designing we, we live in the software more than the hardware age would I be right in saying that nowadays well, well more software age. people all ages I mean yeah. like my dad well, I think would be more back, yeah, well, back, tech back then, like, than I am Galen Semeckis would have wrote that on every town or village had a kind of guy who was and a scientist yeah. a man who was building things people were more hands on Forget people used to get their TVs fixed and radios fixed they brought it to someone who would do it for them nowadays you just replace it you know yeah, we, live, to prop we, Joe. We, 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 we live in a we live in a world of kind of like you know that doesn't exist anymore where, yeah yeah, yeah absolutely but I mean there, there is something like there's something very efficient in that storytelling where you get like you get the newscast telling you the plutonium's been stolen you get the camera moving down so the door opens following his feet back under the bed it's like the, the long take is in an S shape it's very very impressive mm-hmm. and then closing on the plutonium under the bed mm-hmm. so you get all the information that you need to give you the backstory to the film in that opening shot without any like scrolling text like Star Wars without any gee doc what happened to your family fortune conversation yes that, that's very good and it's and, really, to get it all done and untold and the way the way it kind of like builds excitement for the kind of premise of the movie um, in subtle ways like the the, the um, when um, Strickland is is saying to him he's like um, no McFly in history has ever made anything of himself <laughs> and he says well, history is going to change. Yeah. Uh, Which which just perfectly sets up, particularly because you know you bought a ticket to a movie called Back to the Future. Yeah. You've put a disc on with Back to the Future written on it. You know that this is going to be a time travel movie. Yeah, Yeah, or VHS with it on. Laser disc, yes. And it plays very well. Like, there's a wonderful efficiency to the storytelling throughout. Mm. And it communicates it very well in a way that's not particularly heavy-handed or clumsy. Like Like the clock tower. Yeah. And then when you go back to the 50s, you've read Thomas, you've... That's it. And then you've Goldie Wilson, African-American, who's running for mayor is yeah. mayor I didn't pick up that, that was that was red the first time around when he was yeah, I didn't get that either I wanted man. to ask you who, yeah. who was that guy the homeless man who is me. red red as far as I know as I'm aware no, I'm, well, I'm it is. he said high red high red red is the, I, I, but you see him then in alternative 1985 he's outside Biff's uh, casino he's still a bum yeah. but <laughs> nothing changed there I lo- um, I love, I lo- I, I, it's everything like that it's fantastic yeah. but even in the third movie too in the cowboy days you you started Strickland his great grandfather is the sheriff of the town you know and his son discipline son remember discipline <laughs> you know and CC Topper the band and the thing. actually speaking of music we haven't gotten around to me Huey Lewis and the News yes, was, yes. Was, that was number one as well like, that was cameo. Sound, soundtrack yes. for the, uh, the with for the, the movie with the little speaker yeah, with and the little megaphone that song The Power of Love that actually went to court with uh, Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters uh, took him to court for no, sorry, I'm sorry it wasn't for it was um I want a new drug, which wasn't. Okay. Uh, which I thought it was Stevie it Wonder went with Ghostbusters. Uh, it wasn't Back to the Future related, but it was Huey Lewis and News. Oh, okay. It was eighty four. It was just before this. I want a new drug by Huey Lewis and News. Sounds just like uh, Ghostbusters. Ray Parker Jr. They took each other to court, and it was a big payout and all of yeah, it. Yeah, because it was that Huey Lewis sound. that yeah. they kind of ripped off. Allegedly, but I suppose um, um, Huey Lewis is pretty happy to get Back to the Future and land what? that movie because well, obviously he's in it. That's arguably like to this day, the power of love is still played, and Back in Time, which was the tune for the cartoon. Back in time, and it also plays here, doesn't it as well? Yeah, yeah. Like it's when he wakes up in the alternative. Oh, it does. It does. We say alternative, but the facto like 1985 now mm. um i mean 
this is it worth talking a little bit about how time travel works broadly speaking well i i think we, we really don't know i think every scientist has their theory but <laughs> yeah. with back to the future you're just dealing with one that will look good on a script for a movie because you can't be going into alternative universes too yeah, much we, the we, fact that they did in the second movie was good we don't know how our own universe works yeah we're, we're like we think of our um science as this mature thing <laughs> where we figure things out and physics is such an old science compared to say psychology mm. and um um <laughs> And uh, but but it's 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 not. It's still kind of I, like I, early. We don't know how gravity works. Absolutely, and I think nowadays when well, we're, I mean everything's obviously heavy. Big. <laughs> and I mean you are my density. F- films nowadays too, especially even the Transformer movies, they deal a lot with. It's kind of like we're almost. There's a lot of fear with the unknown. You're talking about the universe because we realize now since 1985 that was before the Hubble te- uh, Space Telescope we know now how big the universe actually is how insignificant we, we are we are we didn't in 1985 I thought people thought you know we were sent to another central universe yeah. but we didn't realise how big the universe was that we do know now uh, and even in the last really 20 years point, and don't forget you know nobody predicted the one thing especially Back to the Future it didn't predict in, in the second one uh, in the future the biggest thing this world has seen in the last uh, since uh, the movie was made was the internet nobody predicted the internet no form of technology You're still using fax machines yeah. in, in, in Back to the Future too. yes yes that's right yeah. but like the internet you know is something that we have now and I think when people are making movies now in the world we know now it's there seems to be a lot of fear in films and even though that was made at the height of the Cold War you could say even even in movies now um, they often have to create have the sort of storytelling device where somebody's phone Need, they need to be somewhere where there's no, no signal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. very hard to construct. Like we've had people talk about like how hard it is to write a horror movie it's, these it's, days it's, because everything's so connected. It's like, yeah. well, why can't you send? And out like, a there's so much fear in the world now. It's hard to make a film where people are actually scared because you could be more scared going out onto the street. I think a, a fine example of that is Independence Day two. Yes. I went to that. I think I went with you. I <laughs> we sat did. through we it and together. I said to you, I came out and says there wasn't one bit of that film where I felt fear. Now, keep in mind, I was only 10 when I watched the original Independence Day, but I sat up front of the cinema and I loved every minute of it because I was scared. But even now when I put it on, I watched the original Independence Day. I do feel like, whoa, that's, but whoa. The, the second one is kind of like, that's just ridiculous. That's just, maybe that's just my mind now. I think there's that's, an issue with the ballooning scale. And I yeah, think this yeah is we're used to seeing and the, the world like, being that, destroyed. The, yeah. the, the Avengers, <laughs> where they all start long. coming down over the city, yeah. these aliens. Where you get the big gaping hole over much. New York. It's too much, is, you know, uh, it's too much, yeah. The idea, though, like, we're back to the simplicity of Back to the Future. He's stuck. Imagine being stuck in a different time, not knowing if you can well, actually get home. Not stuck, but also possibly being erased. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like the, the stakes in Back to the Future are relatively small. Like Marty's never going to like change the. He's never going to like stop like Lee Harvey Oswald from. Well, no, you say that, but in the second one. Uh, the space-time continuum is pretty much that's what they were trying to stop, wasn't it? Yeah. The whole idea of the well, I mean, uh, that, that's the argument that the sequels to Back to the Future have perhaps been more influential than Back to the Future itself. Mm. In that, like the stakes in the original Back to the Future seem relatively small. Like the picture that he's holding, and I, I love, by the way, I love that you get foreshadowing where Doc Brown is like looking at the picture, he's saying, "Look, they couldn't even do your brother's hair right before he realizes that his brother's actually disappearing from the picture." Like that's again, that's how well constructed the script is. Mm. But like in that picture, like the garden still exists in the future. The the uh, you know the little lawn well, ornaments. This, this still goes exist. back to what Andrew said about we don't know how times and physics really work. We don't know how there's so many different possibilities. Not yeah. what Stephen Hawking said. Like you don't know different universes, yeah. parallel universes, and we know all this now. When you're writing a script, especially 30 years ago, you're like, well, it doesn't matter, this is going to make a great film. Yeah. That's what you want, but that's why families go to the cinema. They want to, you want to fall into this safety net of, 
a world of this is what you yeah. want to believe and this well, is what you want to enjoy. Also, that's small and intimate. That's not like that's not you know catastrophic and like where you know half the universe isn't dying if this goes horribly wrong. To pick well, one example, as I said with Transformers, now you can't go in without at least one city being destroyed. That's it. Yeah, uh, the, the city, the destruction yeah, no. of cities, the space time continuum. Whereas I like the Back to the Future. Like, there's something kind of depressing in the idea that no matter what Marty does to the timeline, you know, Hill Valley will still be a bit of a crap hole when he gets back to it. Mm. But there's also something vaguely reassuring in that. Yeah, there's something, like, yeah. in the idea that no matter how so hard... you glad to go back yeah. and see... But that... that's, but that's what, one good thing with the alternate 1985, that it's such a dark place. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of sad because more like probably what, forgive me, anybody listening in California, but what parts of California would be like today, you know? Um, they, they, they have this uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, strip club in, I, I was in LA and I was walking past this strip club and they had this the sign that said, um, uh, what was it, thousands of beautiful girls and three ugly ones. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was hilarious another, another bit too about the second movie is because it was made in 1989 and the third one in 1990 they were able to do the cafe 80s properly because you had the whole 80s done so yeah. they, they, when he went in and has Doc, you have, like, the Doc Max says to him, sort of Doc, yeah, Doc says to him it's a, it's a nostalgia cafe but not done very well and he goes, <laughs> he goes in but it's brilliant and I think the cafe 80s is amazing I love the 50s diner and the way it was and it was the um, what you'd imagine a 50s diner to be like and then to go into the future and have a cafe 80s and he goes in and Ronald Reagan and Ayatollah are serving him drinks and Michael Jackson <laughs> and Michael yeah. Jackson's reading the menu it's, it's brilliant you know it is very <laughs> funny like it is very you funny. Want there to be I do want to be the cafe. <laughs> I just like this. I this podcast goes around the world. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, as you know, we're broadcasting from Ireland. Probably, people, uh, people know parts this. Yeah. Of the world, like, does it go to China? Oh, well, people, people, know, people know we're broadcasting from Ireland. People anyway. do know. We're so from I'd like to say, just as growing up watching Back to the Future, it was very much in my mind America. It screamed America, Americana. Yeah. Yeah. Americana it's uh, everything about Americana the 80s Mar- Marty left to the 50s Marty arrived in to the 1880s everything about it was the American Old West it really was it's an American movie through and through uh, it's, it's, it's real and I grew up watching that and I very much influenced by it and I look but I look back on it now and it's still it's very sentimental very emotional to watch yeah. you know well I mean like we talked about this in the podcast I mean Andrew's called me out on it when I say we all remember our history it's a very <laughs> sentiment that speaks very much to us as a people and Andrew's like are you talking about like human race are you talking about like Ireland or are you talking about America when you say our culture um, and there is like that sense yeah of, we're we're kind of between the two parishes yeah like, we're we between we're, Boston and Berlin we, we like yeah. it that we see uh, when he goes into 1885 that he's Marty McFly's Grand, great great grandfather Seamus McFly and well he is even here he's yeah, referred to as Irish Irish bug mm, Irish yeah. bug so we do have a kind of we, have a we, we know the Irish story of the Irish immigrants that went over and so you can we can relate to that in, <laughs> yeah. in terms of we know what background he's coming from yeah. you know but I mean, I mean speaking spe- Irish bug I, I love I love um, like and, and the way they inverted as well but uh, Biff's uh, put dance to um to, to to George McFly because like he it, 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 like we see it originally in 1985 and he's like um, he's like 
Jeez, uh, George, I towed, I towed the car all the way to your house and all you have is light beer. Oh, yeah. And my, my personal <laughs> was like, I mean, my real question is who's going to pay for this? I spilled, I spilled beer all over the, myself <laughs> during the crash. And then they're, they're back in 1955 and he's all, he's went... He's already had this kind of like argument and like George is kind of like laughing and he's like, okay, Bill. All right. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, George. Oh, yeah. I don't want to see you here again. <laughs> like as he's leaving. Yeah, George and, waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, which I is wonder, hilarious. I'm very sad. I wonder now if that film was made nowadays, would Marty McFly be from a minority community in America? Possibly, uh, yeah. Because... Possibly. When you look at where he was from in before he goes back in and time, George McFly he's, as well. He's, yeah. he's probably lower middle class. You're talking like the house is a mess, like they're really struggling. The mother. Well, they're living in a, in a, yeah, in a you know, suburban that's, that's not well taken care of. Uh, yeah, graffiti on how, the gates. Yeah, how the neighborhood is. But then when he manages to change things, he comes back. They're still living in the same house, but they're upperly mobile now. Yeah. They're upper middle class. Well, they're yeah, affluent. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose if 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 you were to cast it as a white character, it would be a, it would be a kind of like things are so bad in 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 twenty eighteen. I'll go back to nineteen fifty five when things were good. <laughs> yeah, um, it would be a bit awkward. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's what, yeah. I'm thinking like people would think you know he's a white kid. He should have it all right, you know. So he goes back to the fifties, but that's, well, he does that's, have it all that's right. Go, yeah, like, exactly. Like he's he, got two televisions. Got Nobody two has two televisions. <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, it's only because I just of wonder. Yeah, I just wonder. I just wonder. Nowadays, would uh, they go ahead with a minority character to hit what? home? Maybe his. Uh, poverty, I mean, I'd say poverty. But I, like, I would not be so sure if only because like you had the last Spider-Man movie, which was, should have been a slam dunk minority character, and it was in fact based on a character who was black and Latino in the comic books. But uh, Peter Parker again? Well, no, it was, well, it was based on Miles Morales. The the character was inspired by the the African American Spider-Man, but mm. he was white Spider-Man for the film because that's safer. So I, I would be. Surprise! I would be hopeful. I, yeah. would, I would be hopeful. But I in would fact, be kind if they were to make Back to the Future now, it would make it more sense to, like, with a minority character. But to go back and, and as I said, it would be more political now. It would yeah. be more. You would go back to deal with issues of the time. You wouldn't just go back to, hey, I'm stuck, <laughs> but I need to get home. <laughs> this uh, is like ac- <laughs> this is like accident. The second one is accidentally political. Well, yeah, because it features <laughs> Donald J. Trump as the villain. Um, <laughs> Like, he was consciously modelled on Trump, I believe, as well, right down at the casinos, because the casinos were obviously modelled on Trump's, um, was it the Atlantic City casinos yeah, that he was very invested in? It's a pursuit of wealth at all costs. Yeah, and, and yeah. sort of the embodiment of, yeah. like, crazy capitalism. You look at that Hill Valley becomes, he starts mining for gas, yeah. uh, Gasco, and uh, just like a place becomes a right, a right hellhole. Forgive me, anybody listening to America, but what, the way <laughs> places like Detroit have gone, which is, yeah. like, you know, no, it's that's, serious. Like, like uh, well, I mean, it would be part of like that context of like eighties sort of political action movies, like obligatory RoboCop reference yeah. here. Yeah. But like, I, yeah, a lot of places went like that in the eighties in America that really would have been good in the fifties. But other places prospered. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, it's swings and turns. And like, and like I wonder if there, I wonder if there's an element of like almost. And again, this is like the Back to the Future trilogy podcast. But whether there's an element of almost like correction between like the first and the second film where like the second film seems a lot more wary of like the capitalism and materialism that like Crispin Glover Yeah, I think the innocence of the first film when they wrote it but it it was to be an innocent family film as such and then we're going to make the second one we can deal with a lot more issues That's how you portray people as successful it's a kind of shorthand where they're kind of playing tennis and have like a great car and good furniture and several great cars and like things aren't wrapped in 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 
in plastic and uh, yeah and uh, they're they're Their not child like works smoking and, like, and drinking their, their brother isn't in is in wearing a suit and, and yeah. when Back or, to the yeah, Future the uncle, when Back to the Future was made in 1985 America was getting back on its feet yeah. you're talking after Watergate Vietnam the oil crisis it was the first time America had been hit what morning 19, in America the 1970s was a hard time for America because they came out of this great time in the 60s with the moon landings and everything else but then the truth about Vietnam comes out and everything else so America is damaged so in, 80, in the 80s Reagan's America was to get the economy going yeah. never mind about foreign affairs the economy yeah. economy Toyota economy Japanese cars bring them in economy you know, shining city yeah. this, this, this oh is yeah it. and it was yeah. let's, let the Soviets worry about foreign affairs mm. yeah. keep them busy with which set up the, which set up the world um, that we now live in today <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> new let, world order <laughs> let, let's create a quagmire for, for, for the Soviet Union in Afghanistan because mm. uh, that couldn't possibly <laughs> come back to fire in any way shape or form yeah. Yeah. on the United States and the rest of the world Ah, the Ayatollah in Iran. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, here we are again with Iran. So yeah, yeah. yeah. The more things change, the more all, they stay the same. All stay the same, always, always, and that's just the way the I think the way the world goes, you know. But yeah, no. In ter- so in terms of like Back to the Future, what else is it that sort of jumps out at us? What is it that sort of grabs us about the film? Like, well, they're just. Uh, so many other movies are in there from Semeckis and Gale's childhood growing up, and even before that. But just like so many snippets, and in in, in the third one, for instance. Is probably every western ever made is is Reference parodied and not. done in that in that film and the fact that he comes along and calls himself Clint Eastwood uh, well the fact great. that like the fact they're shot back to back means you get little touches like Biff in the hot tub is watching yes, Clint Eastwood and, and he's watching in the yeah, and then you, you see it goes back to what um Mad Dog Tannen yeah. in the old the video that he watches downstairs yeah. about Biff Tannen's childhood and life and where he comes yeah. from and he goes back to Mad Dog Tannen who killed him which sets up nicely where the next one's going it's, it's very good as well I mean even in this one there's a lot of really nice stuff like for example the episode of is it uh, what's the the Honeymooners is that the one the show they're watching yeah, but it's the yeah, same. yeah, yeah they're yeah. watching the Jackie Gleason mm-hmm. yeah Jackie Gleason they're watching, one day right to the moon <laughs> but, 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 a bit of Jackie Gleason before we go there's actually a statue of him in uh, the bus station in New York what's it called um, Terminal um, uh, Grand Central Port Authority, no, Port Authority. that's it yeah. Port, there's a Jackie everybody in Port Authority go down to see the Jackie Gleason statue he's dressed in his he's a bus man so yeah. he's dressed as a bus man uh, anyway sidestepping go ahead but no like even little stuff like that like the fact that the episode that they're watching later in the in the in the film is set up so ridiculously well in terms of like having watched that before like there's a lot of really good setup and payoff like mechanically speaking mm. stuff like the fact that DeLorean looks convincingly like a flying saucer or the fact that Doc yeah. Brown has to wear the protective like, gear um, what does what the kid say <laughs> Tales from it's Space like, it's already mutated into human <laughs> form yeah. which is M- amazing son of a bitch. Like, it doesn't matter that, <laughs> that he has a face that it's quite apparent now that he's not a space alien yeah. <laughs> I've read enough out in, in fact yet. I've read enough 50s that's paranoia that we didn't touch on too is when he goes back into the 1950s he's going back into the real height of the Cold War and the Red Scare and the Reds in the Beds. So when people are, won't stop for him on the side of the road, if he's wearing a, what looks like a plutonium, yeah. so they're thinking, you know, he's just landed out of the sky. He's a Soviet spy or whatever yeah. it may be. And people, the fear, when I mean, people were building bomb shelters in this, this period of time, we were getting yeah, ready for... For a nuclear yeah, vessel. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, like Doc, Doc Brown, like, and I think you're right when you talk about the lack of fear, right? Because like Doc Brown, in order to get the plutonium to like get his time machine working in 1985, is like yeah sure I'll build them a 
casing out of like ping pong ball parts um, for well, their see, nuclear bomb. T- terrorist, terrorism, right? terrorism has evolved in the last 30 years. Terrorists used to be basically to trust the terrorists. Now you can't even trust the terrorists. I don't think <laughs> they have a bazooka <laughs> in a... Where I'm going with terrorism is like... They, <laughs> terrorism, and it was always portrayed in films right up until 9-11. And that's when, that's when everybody woke up to what terrorism really is. Uh, terrorism in films... You're always like, oh, I dealt with some terrorists, or we're dealing with some terrorists. You're talking about your Chuck Norris's. You know, terrorists can be dealt with. Sean Bean. You know, they say they don't negotiate, but they can be dealt with. So yeah. you know, you can pay them off or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, that was always the way terrorists were, were we portrayed. We learned in this movie that bribery works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like that—that's the—that's the thing, though. Like, because you're talking about like the paranoia that people have at the mere suggestion of like atomic power in 1955, mm. compared with the general flippancy that Doc Brown has towards it in 1985. I think I think you're actually onto something there when you talk about how like the fear exists in 1955 that doesn't in 1985 well that's as i said the cold war was on and and the fear that was that was always kept going in politics you know the fear that had the um running out the hollywood stars anyone they thought that wasn't uh, well the red scare the mccarthy uh the mccarthy hearings and stuff like that as well yeah so i mean i I think that there's something very pointed in that Mm. i think you're entirely correct there's like bribery i think for example where uh, like reefer addict well yeah yeah, yeah. you know that that, that's that's kind of like the innocence of the time that here's a how can you set up all that on Main Street of your town without somebody noticing and or just bribe the police officer? <laughs> but, but like again, it, it's kept off camera, which is very good from both Gail and Zemeckis because the camera is focused at that point on Marty McFly mm. putting the envelope in Doc Brown's pocket. Absolutely. So you don't actually see Doc Brown handing the money over and, and like kids watching the movie in 1985 or even mm. like us watching it as eight-year-olds probably wouldn't have twigged what Doc Brown was doing. No, I didn't. I mean, yeah. there's so much... Oh, for years I wouldn't have seen that one bit in that one film. Yeah. And even years later, you know, you're kind of like looking at different parts of the film that you never really hit home yeah. and understand until you get older and then you're watching it. You're so, I, like, I think there's a lot of really cool, really well-structured, like, really well-constructed sort of, like, nuance to the film. Like, because the film is, the film is structured in such a way that it's it's simple and easy to follow. Like, we, you watched it when you were eight years old. Mm. I probably watched it at the same age. I think Andrew watched it at the same time. Yeah. Watch it straight yeah. through and it made perfect well, sense. It, it's really come full circle because now it's a film that will never age because the years are and set. This is a movie that you can show to 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 your children. The years and are to set. Children. You see, I think when you watched it in the nineties, you kind of felt like, well, this is outdated because he's from nineteen eighty five. But as time went on, that became like set in stone that it's nineteen eighty five. So he is a kid from nineteen eighty five and nothing else, not the present. You know, nineteen eighty five. So it's really well done that you look at in Hill Valley in nineteen fifties. If you look in the background, you get the old Texaco and everything else. There's just the price yeah. of things, the musicians, the people who are in the films, and if you look closely at the travel agents seven days in cuba yeah right this was before castro this yeah. was the world he went in that's where you could go on holiday but now the world's changed we can go back to cuba now yeah. how the world has, has, has changed. sort of come the full you know? circle almost in yeah some ways. absolutely well we say we but if you look yeah. in back to the future in back to the future too they're parked up against the billboard and on the billboard billboard it says surf vietnam you can actually go to Vietnam on holidays nowadays. Well, my parents yeah. went to Vietnam yeah. recently. And but that would have been 89. You're talking 20, not even 20 years after the Vietnam War. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. To it's, imagine it. like. It, but they knew, they knew someday Vietnam will open up to the world again. Yeah. Write that in. And it was, that's really well done for props and everything. It's very well thought out. It is. I mean, the whole thing hangs together remarkably well. And it has aged. Like, I think the entire trilogy has aged well. I'm probably a bit less fond of the third one, I think. Than, than well, I think a great scene in the third one is where he's looking up his own family history in the town hall before he goes back. And he's reading about Mad Dog Tannen, who um, laid claim to 12, or I can't actually remember the exact number, uh, 
the actual figure was higher, but eight of them were Chinamen. So you didn't, they don't count. Yeah. Not kind of that's the the way the world was in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. This is this is right though. This is the way the world works. Like we are now in the twenty first century, and we're kind of looking back on history in a very dark way because we think it's it was the hard times of it. Whereas our family, our parents' generation, their generation before, look back on it fondly. We're kind of looking looking back on it with like especially us here in Ireland, we come from a state that was very much controlled by the church, let's say. Yeah. Um, and we kind of, our generation now have big problems with that when it comes to different things, not getting too political. But uh, Well, Ireland legalised gay marriage in 2015, exactly. to pick one example. Uh, one example, exactly. Um, so, you know, we wouldn't look back at the 1950s in this country and think, yeah, what a great place that was. Can you imagine Back you know? to the Future in Ireland where yeah. like a, a, you know, a kid from 1985 no, I, Dublin you know, ends up back in 1955 I mean, 1950s America. You're talking Eisenhower as president. You're talking about the most powerful country in the world, as Andrew said. You know, 1950s... Uh, Ireland. In, in, in Ireland, even in Britain, it wasn't... Uh, it was post-war... You know, Ireland was neutral during the Second World War, so there was no money from the Marshall Plan. So the rest of Europe was starting to build itself back up, and we just stayed for the next probably 40 years. 30, yeah, 40 yeah, years. Really, it wasn't yeah. until the 90s when we were in primary school that things started to pick up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've been steady ever since, up and down. <laughs> they started to build roads. Yeah, yeah. roads. Where, where we're coming. We had no roads. <laughs> where we're coming yeah. from, we well, had no We definitely look at Back to the Future as, as Americana. Yeah. And, every, and everything about America. And there is something adorable in that. We, also, we, we talk about it on the podcast a lot because a lot of our popular culture is absorbed yeah. like from American films. So we do absorb we, a lot of Americana. Look, our, my childhood is Back to the Future it, in some ways. And mm. it, it's, it's relevant for people, I guess, growing up as well. Like one of the last lines in the movie is because he said... It, um, uh, you, you have to, you have to come uh, 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 back to the future. And he says, "Oh, do do we become assholes or something?" Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like the, the, the uh, like we're all kind of like growing up. Yeah. I, I I really like the stuff about the son kind of becoming the father. Yeah, as well. Like like the the um, put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. But I mean, even and the that, shots that, and of, that was Doc that originally said it to Marty, so he's passing it on. Or he, he's yeah, it even on. the shots of um, of sort of Michael J. Fox and Crispin Glover in the uh, in the diner together, where they're reacting in the same way to McFly, and you get to see them going through the same motions almost, which mm. is very clever as well. Like I actually, I really love the stuff with George McFly. I think George McFly is fantastic. Apparently, it's very very good. Uh, apparently, all of that was from Crispin Glover a lot of his personality tics as you might imagine according to like the, the people who work with him on the film like very little of what you see was exaggerated this was just what what Crispin brought when when the director said cut he was pretty much like that off camera as well to an extent he was very mm. sort of gangly movie twitchy he's had a sort of a kinetic energy which mm. is fascinating to watch and which works really really well I think in the context of the film because I mean it's kind of interesting. Do you think that as we get older, like, because when we were younger, obviously you have that, what Bob Gale described as like the Marty McFly perspective, which is realizing that your parents were young once, that your parents had fun once, that your parents had sex, you know, which is that Freudian sort of context. Because that's, that's a huge part of it. It's Marty realizing that his mother is hot for him, that his mother is like a, a woman who has like sexual energy and sexual needs and how deeply, deeply uncomfortable that is. Yeah, um, this, is, this is the stuff that Darren appreciates in movies. The obligatory <laughs> Freudian discussion. Freudian, at, at yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. the argument is that like the moment that you become an adult in some sense is the moment where you realize your parents will die. It's where you face their mortality. I think the genius of Back to the Future is that it inverts that. It's the moment where you realize that your parents have sex. It's the point at which you realize that your parents were younger. 
at mm. one point. And I actually, uh, now you mentioned that, in the second movie, you don't really... I, George McFly in the first film because he's a bit of a, a bit of a nerd or whatever yeah. it may be and then you see his mother is a very much a stronger character a stronger woman that will help him lead yeah. him and then he becomes this successful writer in later life but you don't really appreciate George McFly uh, until he's dead in the second movie where you find out he's shot in the back yeah. and he goes to the grave to see him and you see him in the front of the newspaper where it announces that he had died and then you kind of I felt this real kind of he was the better father to Marty. He's like, he's, he, Biff was his stepdad. Yeah. But you think Marty had a good father in George who was shot dead. So you kind of thought after the fact. You, kind of, yeah, you yeah. have that sort of Freudian thing. So this one is you realize that your parents had Eros. And in the next one you realize your parents had Thanatos. Mm. And it, it's sort of Darren getting super Freudian on Back to <laughs> the Future. But I think that there is something in that. Because I mean, like you talk about how like the reason that Star Wars is so popular is because of Campbell. Because it taps into those like Campbellian impulses. And there's also some Freudian stuff there about like reconciling with your father i think back to the future like despite being like a time travel like reagan era time capsule it's very basic story about parents and children is something that sort of yeah. resonates like I and, mean, and it's 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 um it's a movie that 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 makes you laugh and and it, well I, I i suppose i'm a big softie but i i i i i cried a bit in this i don't know if i if, if i always do which bit um, did you cry at you i mean i i i i really um i think when when george and um lorraine Got got together. I think, uh, and, and they started playing like Earth Angel. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very I, touching. It's very, it well, is very but, touching. Yeah. But it's and it's they, they, they 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 do uh, before that they have the kind of um, soft kind of strain of the uh, Back to the Future uh, theme song as well. Yeah. Where's the? And it works beautifully. And I think Alan, Alan Silvestri gets you right here. Score. It is Silvestri's score yeah, Silvestri is iconic score. And, and, and like fantastic and kind of brilliant. It's almost disappointing because he does a lot of Marvel work at the moment where he's mm. not allowed to do he's not allowed to put as much of a like his own trademark on it, which is kind of sad. Like he would have done all the Thor. Well, he said he said that he knew that the film didn't rely heavily on uh, special effects there was because there's not we don't believe it. it's all sets and construction and in makeup. the first film it is yeah. uh, and then there's only that few bits where the DeLorean actually disappears so he said he needs a really the hand. he really needs yes a, the hand sort of fading he, he, he realised that he really needs a big score yeah. to carry it through and that's what he gave like Indiana Jones just gives it to carry it through do you mind if I ask right so as like this is a movie we talk about this movie being something of a time machine of itself and how it changes as, as we go like what is the big difference watching it now as adults compared to watching it when you watched it for the first time? Like uh, I, I, I think it's it's not uh, it's not because because I'm an adult, but it's because we live in a different time. I think we talked about it when sorry sorry I beg your pardon. We t- um, talked about when we did uh, Forrest Gump. We we t- um, talked about it when we did uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. This old fashioned thing of like um he- heroes beating people up we're, we're, like yeah it happens with george a lot george's big sort of moment is when he punches biff yeah, and then and later I, on I, when he shoves that old cliche good versus evil eh? yeah and i really like i i have to admit I, I kind of like enjoy that sort of stuff the physical throwdown quality because it is like it's it's a really it's, weird thing he becomes he becomes assertive but it's not just like assertive in terms of like confessing his attraction to Lorraine it's like no he physically punches Biff and then he not only is punching Biff like not enough of itself he has to physically push what what are we calling the guy the red hair guy 
Shermanator? <laughs> he has to push the Shermanator down. Like, it's not like, he doesn't just cut in. He doesn't just say, excuse me, in a suave way. It's literally like, hey, let me get in your face and throw you to the ground. And Lorraine says, oh, I, I think a man should be strong. He should stand up for himself. He should protect the woman he loves. And yeah. that's kind of like the kind of revelation of like, okay. <laughs> Let's go with that. This, yeah. is, this is the key lesson. And then, that... and then the the scene like afterwards where George is like, oh, do I have to swear? It's like, God damn it, George, swear. <laughs> I like I like that like Andrew is like, this is the moment that I want to, because the swear word is God damn it. You say, uh, you know, get your, get your goddamn hands off her. <laughs> it's like, okay, but can I do it without the swearing? He's like, no, swear. That, yeah. is, that is what makes a man. Violence and swearing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, like, that, that is something that I kind of, I did notice this summer, and I, like, cause I understand punching Biff. Punching Biff is like your standard beat. It's the pushing of the Shermanator that feels just a little bit excessive. And it, it's kind of, it is the, the weird aspect of it, because it's like, he's already asserted himself. He's already punched somebody who deserves it. She, she's obviously getting, like, it's the whole 80s movie thing, where the woman is getting more and more, um, horny. The, the, <laughs> the more, more violence, violence that she witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, too with Back to the Future it's very it's it's the whole thing it has to be an innocent film yeah. Oh, yeah. to make you couldn't have gone back into the 50s and started dealing with race issues or, oh, yeah. or real political issues at the time or whatever it may be you go back and you're dealing with uh, there's so much humour in it you're going oh, back yeah. to oh, yeah. that he, whole that like, whole uh, cafe uh, scene in small the, visual moments you know the jukebox stops when he Biff walks <laughs> in you know yeah. it's just cliche and, and it's, it's that's, hilarious that's why we sit down and watch it all the time because we want to be entertained and enjoyable yeah. See, like, even Seeing the, the 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 Cadillac or whatever it is driving away with the guys like high fiving on yeah, the back yeah, of it, yeah. the, with Billy Zane, yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> bad Billy Zane. The, at at the end of the fight in the cafeteria where the little paper plane goes, it, yeah, exactly. No, it, <laughs> like, it's the, all that the, the kind of like you know, amazing. we have this thing in Happy Days. You know, yeah. you're looking back at Happy Days. You're looking back at motorcycles and kids going. It was actually just before. Rock and roll. It was 55. You know, Elvis was 56, 57. So it was just, he went back to that time just before the teenage. Just primed just for it. The That's te- why they it's all almost start like, da- rock and roll dancing. Which, like, Mar- yeah, of course. Mar- spontaneously. Why Marty was able to do what he did. To and tap into like, the moment. Oh, Elvis has already done that. No, because Elvis hasn't done it yet. Yeah. So yeah, that's quite cool. It's almost happen. like maybe November 5th, 1955 is a, t- a, a, a <laughs> date in history that should be a turning point. Yeah. You know? But um, very much so, like I said, the innocence of it and to go back the to be so enjoyable that the colours of the 1950s in Hill Valley when he goes back and to that, that, as I say, that cafe scene where the music stops when he walks in with his bullies and, his <laughs> yeah. and the milkshake and the girls and their lovely Get me dresses. a chocolate milkshake. Get me a chocolate I mean, milkshake. Yeah. There was an awful lot of stylishness about the way people oh, dressed, even I'm- the men. And, 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 and the stylishness to the movie as well, because this is like you you mentioned kind of naturalistic, but there 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 there's a lot of um, stylishness to it. Like there there's where um, or if, if if that's the right word, like there's where Doc Brown like looks straight at the camera and says "Back to the Future," yeah. uh, which, which you totally forgive the movie for because it it is. A, a stylish movie yeah. like all of the kind of like moments from the 50s they're not meant really to be this kind of representation um, of how the 50s no, were documentary I mean, style like, or anything even like in that. the third film like when he brings Doc back to the Doc passes out and he yeah. carries him back to the house in the rain in the, in the 50s at the beginning and Howdy Doody time comes on yeah. television the children's program and it's real 1950s and that's just at the beginning of the third film you forget about that you know and there's all them touches that they put in 
the 1950s and just, just as you said the styles of the time and the innocence of the era and the way people talk like the, yeah the, the school kicked me on his back you know yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's funny it is you, you do Speak. laugh the enchantment under the sea dance or as Doc likes to call <laughs> oh, it oh the uh, rid, rid, rhythmic ceremony and ritual, ritual yeah. yeah a dance well, let, let's talk about like because Doc Brown we talk about the humour of the film Doc Brown is a huge part of that Christopher Lloyd is amazing pretty much yeah. everybody well, in this film is like, so old Christopher Lloyd <laughs> Christopher Lloyd was given the original script he threw it in the bin he thought this I can't do this this is, really? this is ridiculous yeah yeah but he went back to it and he saw he read through it again and he thought well maybe I can because John Lithgow was was uh, one of the choices one of the choices um, John Cleese was another one of the choices interesting quite, that would be a quite, very different film you see the great thing about Christopher Lloyd is after Back to the Future he went back into writing directing he did Frasier and things like yeah. that Yeah, it kept him off the TV so it's not like Doc Brown wasn't so, went on to be in some sort of sitcom afterwards and um, like Christopher Lloyd well he was in the well he was the, in the anime Series yeah, exactly. Series. So he'll always be Doc Brown, whereas if John Cleese had done it, he goes, "Oh, he's Monty Python." Yeah, it would have been a different film. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean like he didn't have a role that yeah. ever quite competed with that? Exactly. After like, taxi, he went back know, to yeah, he went back to behind the camera and yeah. did a lot of great well, he, work. Like he's obviously responsible for Modern Families, for example. Mm, he's like yeah, he still has an impact on the way that we think of television. Yeah. He's still acting. Actually, he appeared in I Am Not a Serial Killer recently. He's eighty odd years old and eighty. Like mid eighties yeah, at this point. He was so, on Jimmy Kimmel, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he's still going. And like like it's not a light role. I am not a serial killer has him playing well, without getting too spoilery, somebody who has a very active physical um sort of life. Mm. And and he doesn't he manages to do all right, that. Probably one of his most memorable performances after Back to the Future for me was uh, Dennis. Was it Dennis? Oh, where he played Mr. Wilson, he, didn't he? Uh, no, he wasn't Mr. Wilson. He was the, the bad guy. Ah. Uh, what you call him was Mr. Wilson. Uh, oh, Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, yeah. Oh, um, I remember that. Yeah, film, he was yes. like, yeah. He's very scary. He has a knife. Tastes like print. He takes the apple off the kid and peels a bit. Now, you definitely wouldn't be able to get away with filming that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only 1993, 94. I, I mean, he was, also, he was also very good in, um, was it uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit as mm, the yes, judge in other Zemeckis films, yeah. uh, where he's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Which is like, and again, Lloyd has this larger than life quality that works beautifully. So he's able to be like hilarious Doc Brown um, and also able to be truly terrifying judge. <laughs> and, and like he has this sort of setting where like if you were cast as a normal human being, it would be very hard to buy him as like a as a sort of a restrained down to earth character. But he can alternate between these extremes, which is remarkable. It kind of reminds me of Christopher Walken in a way <laughs> where you have that sort of like it's so big. He's so yeah. big, but he's able to channel that bigness in directions that are like fresh and interesting and exciting. Well, like, <laughs> there's so much physical comedy with him here, where he's like, he has a line delivery and he dances while mm. saying it. You, you point out him looking at the camera, saying, "Marty, you have to go back to the future," as if to look at the camera and say, "You guys are with us right. on this, right?" <laughs> Christopher Lloyd based his character of Doc on Einstein, obviously. With the wild hair, yeah. but there's also there's a famous composer. I don't, I don't know his name, but um, he's known for waving his hands and shaking his. Hands. Everything is this yeah. wave, waving and shaking his hands, and that's why Doc is everything is like when he gets out of the DeLorean and he's explaining everything that's what he's that's what he based it on it's yeah, all yeah. so physical as yeah, well yeah. I, I mean I, you pointed out that joke with the model which is one of the lovely brilliant tiny jokes which is I'm sorry I didn't have time to properly scale everything <laughs> like, the model is immaculate yeah and it's the same in the third one you know didn't have time for detail I know I know he says uh, <laughs> but it's very funny but uh, little bits as well like I know Marty McFly, uh, Michael J. Fox when he arrived on set they were going to put him in a pair of Converse and 
Converse were worn by kids in the 50s and they're kind of like uh, what else you got and Marty says well here's the shoes that came in they're actually Michael J Fox's Nikes so he, that he, he wore his own Nikes on set like they're like in, in the movie you know so that made such sense dressing as an 80s kid they're yeah. very much on I wonder I wonder if Marty McFly was worried as he was about to hit the the kind of lightning rod if he was like Hold on, is 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 is, is Doc being electrocuted? Like <laughs> uh, Doc's never going to die in 1985 because he He's instead he was struck alive. by lightning in 1955, <laughs> and I'm going into an ether, <laughs> into a universe that doesn't exist <laughs> in a black just... kind of hole. Yeah, because there's because no time machine. There's no time machine. You, you yeah, but it's going to be in nothingness. But <laughs> just just now we recap and just think of back to the film we just sat down and watched. Isn't it just fun? It is. Isn't it it's just so much fun. fun from yeah. beginning to end? Absolute fun. And how many films can you say that? It is, uh, it's, and it's not rude. It's not crude. I know. Like nowadays, to get a to get a to get a decent film, you're talking about to have a laugh. You may look at bridesmaids or something. Well, hold on. You're, now, you're to, to be films. fair, this ends. This is a sequence in which a bunch of people have their car filled with horse manure. Ah, it's hilarious. <laughs> I know it's hilarious. It's it innocent fun. <laughs> okay, okay. I would uh, argue it's a yeah. little bit. But isn't it, as I said, isn't it just... I mean, you're well, not going to well, show bridesmaids just... to eight-year-olds, no, I hope. No, no. Um, I mean, you, but, you're uh, your own parent. I don't judge you. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's as much... There's probably not as much uh, movies like this that no. you can I mean, kind of, that early uh, 80s, show to anyone. Early yeah. mid-80s, it yeah. was a real golden age of family fun comedies. I mean, Ghostbusters, the original... You know, as you can see with the Ghostbusters that came out recently, nowadays, they're trying too hard and it's it's just that was a real golden age of comedy writers of people directors of in at the right place at the right time in the right time to make those films let's say mm. well I mean that, that's the Spielberg influence it's telling that like the big introduction it isn't a Robert I mean, Zemeckis film it's a Spielberg production yeah, yeah. I, I, like I guess to be fair we, we do we do we do have some great movies kind of uh, in in like that that I I suppose Maybe not that we could hold up, but it's difficult to kind of anoint a classic if it's so early. Yeah, within like this I, sort I, of distance. I feel like a move. Um, if it, I wonder if I were a kid these days, if something like um, the Hunt for the Wilder People would would be um, like that kind of uh, Film fun for movie well, for for. Well, I was uh, actually thinking that when Kieran was saying that we don't make movies like this anymore, I was thinking you you do, but they tend to be nicher and smaller. Yes, like yeah. for example, Midnight Special. Nobody's going to see Hunt for yeah. the Wilder. No, people. and nobody's going to see Midnight Special, which where, is basically where, a where you guys Spielberg. are going with this. Is if Back to the Future is made again now, or something like it, something to to be held up like Back to the Future. It would have to actually be Back to the Future. No, no, an existing it, it, property. It won't be a theatre production. It'll be Netflix. It'll be your TV. It'll be your download. Yeah. It'll be your yeah. series. It's, that's what that's what's popular now. You'll have what, to seek it out. That's what your longevity is. That's what kids yeah. go to. That's what people want to see. Now I want to see a Back to the Future starring Michael Shannon as Doc Brown. Because that's kind of how I imagine it will get made now. It'll be like a Jeff Nichols production. The, and like, just Justin Bieber as Marty yeah. McFly. Who's no, the, no, no. Who's the kid? Tom Holland? Yeah, it'll probably um, be Tom Holland. And oh my God, we just pitched the most perfect Back the future reboot it's tom holland and uh, michael shannon come on tell me michael shannon explaining the principles of time travel doesn't sound compelling to you we have to go back yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay doc yeah you're, you're very intense it would be a different movie that's you're for kind sure. of scaring me diff- why is this 15 year old hanging out with michael shannon <laughs> <laughs> michael shannon that's intense now, just dipping into back to the future 2 again that ice man movie <laughs> Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just uh, dipping into Back to the Future Two uh, in the alternative 1985, where he's he's outside Strickland's house. He doesn't realize it's Strickland's house, and he's reading the newspaper. And Strickland comes out with a bulletproof vest on and a shotgun, and he points the shotgun at him. 
and uh, he said, so you're the son of a SOB who's been stealing my newspapers. And he's, you know the bit I'm talking yeah. about? He's like, yeah. and they all turned in 1985. And he's like, ah, it's me, it's Marty, I'm from school. His school burnt down 20 years ago, whatever it was. And, and then next thing you know, it was a drive-by shootout. And that whole scene is, uh, was really what was going on in parts of LA, the drive-by shootings and everything else. Yeah. In kind of the alternative 1985 was what was dark about America at that time or... Well, yeah, well, I mean, like, particularly in Los Angeles, like, you see a lot of, particularly in science fiction, in, in from, obviously, Los Angeles being home to, well, like... Ter- Terminator's a great one, James Cameron. Like, yeah, presents Predator Los, too. Yeah, yeah, presents Los Angeles as a hellhole. Yeah. I mean, but even, say, Star Trek Voyager and its presentation, say, the Kazon, which are basically, what if street gangs, but in Star Trek? Um, and it's, it's, it's atrocious, but it, it is basically the... Um, that's the premise behind it. Like, Briefly talk about Voyager. I watched, okay. I watched the other day where they find uh, the pilot... The woman, uh, oh, Amelia Earhart, Amelia Earhart, and they find the car. Yeah, floating uh, I, I in was space. just thinking, are they eventually going to find Elon Musk's car floating? <laughs> in space? Yeah, Tesla just floating yeah, through the That's void. actually a great episode. Um, briefly talk about Voyager there. Yeah. Um, I watched the one with The Rock recently, mm. um, where The Rock popped up, special guest star The Rock. The, rock. Um, the 90s were a fantastic time. I know that we've been very popular. The 80s are great. We love the 80s. We're talking about Back to the Future, but the 90s had their own weird. Coked up I, I, magic. To I'm them. sure you guys will review it. I'm sure in another movie because <laughs> I'd like to actually talk about the '90s a lot too. <laughs> See what we're doing now is we're getting to the time where we're, where we're enough enough years away from that certain decade to start talking about that decade, yeah. which is why I think Back to the Future became so popular again in the noughties and into the teens because the '80s there was a big revival, you yeah. know. And then uh, so people talking about the '70s again, talking about the '60s. People talk about the '60s in the '90s for for ages. Yeah. You know well, this yeah. is, this like is when, when 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 like, when we, when we got yeah. into the uh, second decade of the 21st century is like here we go 90s yeah no no there's going to be uh, 50th anniversary of Kennedy getting shot 50th anniversary of, of Star Trek of yeah, yeah. 50th anniversary of Moon Landing yeah, 50th anniversary we'll, we'll of 50th Space Odyssey anniversary I guess next year of uh, Woodstock yeah. we've seen and, like, the kids fashions now it's very much 90s orientated like, well, I mean, an the, awful lot of 90s fashion the kids are wearing now is the hats backwards again and uh, because I know so much in living colour is yeah. Bruno Mars's latest video which is just all 90s parody and that's really in now what? whereas in the noughties you had a lot of 80s revival a lot of tracks from the 80s uh, remixed and, and done and I mean even now you have like sampling of stuff as well I can't mm. remember um... but I know in the 90s then when we were in just that in secondary school the 60s was everybody was talking about the 60s I remember in 99 they had Woodstock 2 and uh, oh Limp 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 and there was riots, oh, there was riots how, at it how fantastic it couldn't have been anything less Movies. like Woodstock yeah. at like 7 in the evening yeah. on television and like, it's like where Andrew's mind went it's like yeah, yeah. are you surprised and like no. and Limp Biscuit were there and like Wavy Gravy and all the boys had, had organised it thinking it was going to be like the 60s ones and they went out into the crowd to look at on stage look out at the crowd and he's like is that a swastika like things have <laughs> Times have changed. Do you know what I mean? Times have changed. What they play? Brace heavy. I mean, you see, briefly touching in on that, the draft for the second movie of Back to the Future, they considered having. Uh, George McFly and Lorraine in the 60s in the flower power generation what they'd be like in their life at that time but obviously they went ahead with a different idea I think for the better <laughs> well, I mean because otherwise it seems like you'd end up with one of those movies like the new X-Men movies where it's one yeah, per decade in the God. 90s there was so the, much there was the so much X-Men apocalypse was shocking well because it was the 80s so yeah. there was 80s there was nostalgia so, there was so much uh, in the 90s of the 60s I remember Quantum Leap he must have went back so many times to the 60s he was dealing with the but race this is arguably the and, 
you, I know you had an awful lot. I think a lot about it was, it was long enough away from the Kennedy assassination. The people's you had that film JFK by Oliver Stone. The people started talking about it again yeah. for the first time. Do you know where? things were opening up you know, secrets and all the rest of it and people felt more comfortable talking about Vietnam after all the Vietnam wars that came out in the late 80s and full metal jacket yeah. platoon and it's everything it's the Korean else. conflict in this movie yeah. they have the, all of the kind of names of all, all of the all the victims people. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. people who died uh, which is remarkable because I think yeah by that stage the Korean war would have been largely overlooked I think because overshadowed by Vietnam where is this in Back to the Future 1 is it or yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah in the town square yeah, memorial, they yeah, have yeah. the memorial there the which, is, war, which is quite striking in in fact, in in DC, probably the most touching war memorial is the Korean War Memorial, which 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 is good and I guess fitting um, for Americans because it is often the forgotten war. Yeah, it yeah. tends to get overlooked because of its position between but World it, War Two and between Vietnam. It it has a very uh, affecting memorial there. Well, that's when when they made Mash. Yeah, it was the height of the Vietnam War, and it was just after Vietnam and everything else. Uh, but it was probably more. It was based in Korea and everything else, but, but the storylines coming out were, were very much Vietnam-esque. Yeah. But I think in Britain, it didn't have the laugh track. Uh, track. The laugh track was put in America to make it more lighthearted. American audience didn't want to see the actual horror of war, which is what MASH is all about. Yeah. It's very funny, but it's not well, I mean, without the laugh track. It's very serious. Well, I mean, Take out the words of the theme song. It's, yeah. uh, suicide yeah. is painless. War is moida. And yeah. I just stick my lasses. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> moida. Um, but yeah, it's, war is murder. But I think here we are. We've, we started talking about Back to the Future and we've gone through awful lot of history the 20th century you know, history. but like you guys did Gump already so if you yeah. don't mind I just want to briefly go back into another Robert Zemeckis yeah because that's a Zemeckis film so I'm yeah. allowed to talk about Gump because it is Zemeckis <laughs> there are Gump, no rules on the podcast like, Forrest Gump I doubt there's anybody out there who hasn't seen it but like that is nostalgia from beginning to end. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, them guys made that in line of, this is how we imagined the 20th century, how we lived through it. It's very much, she's gone off on the bad track. He's, yes. he's living the yeah. American dream. He's the Medal of Honor winner and all the rest of it. Yeah. Although, you know, he's coming across quite, it. He yeah. Quite like, how happy go liberals lucky can take it a lot easier because he's not doing it with like, yeah, America. <laughs> go yeah. Ho, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, but it's, it's very well done. It's still a great, enjoyable film. Benjamin Button is something similar. He goes through the same things, gets rich very quickly through the when they left the button company and it's a story because that's Smekas as well yeah. isn't it yeah. no no that's um, that's what's his face um, Fincher is it really yeah, yeah which is um, a very uncharacteristic Benjamin Button and Forrest Gump are very similar in terms of yeah. how they, they the storyline it's go, like David know. Fincher made a Robert Smekas film Maybe, yeah. and it's not good <laughs> but I think it's, when Gump was made that was, a, that was a 90s thing too you're getting to the 90s and a lot about the 60s in it you're getting to but, that time and the anxiety yeah. about history and yeah. stuff like that because I mean you could argue that like Gump is in some ways like a spiritual sequel to Back to uh, the like, Future we're, where we're, Back to the Future is like our history our personal history I histories. think now I mean going from the, in, out of the 90s they were very much looking back and into the noughties and then since the 21st century has begun we're 18 years into it now we're actually struggling to find our place and it's not like until, until we're out of it. Here we're going into the 20s and the 30s that we look back and say that was real change. And I mean, the world changed a lot in the noughties. You're talking about the internet, uh, terror. 9-11, terrorism. war on terror. Anyway, the stuff. world changed. We don't realise that was a new century. Coming well, into a new century. That was the 20th century. That was the century that was. We're now but, in the millennium. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit disappointed with the millennium so far. But I, I think actually, Kieran, I, I would kind of agree with Kieran a lot on this. And they're one of the arguments, and I guess it kind of ties back into Back to the Future, yeah. and maybe why Back to the Future is still relevant and still feels so fresh and interesting, is that like 
particularly when it comes to science fiction, because you talked in particular about science fiction and how science fiction is different today from what it used to be. We have great difficulty in modern science fiction imagining futures that are bright, optimistic, and extended forward. So, like, think of, like, yeah. how Star Trek looked in 1966, where it was basically, what if the Kennedy era continued straight forward into, like, the 23rd yeah. century? But stuff like, even, for example... Until like, Star Trek was based... It was It was kind of like a better, a better future. It was yeah, Camelot. Camelot. Yeah. It was basically, imagine Camelot, but in the 23rd century. Mm. James T. Kirk as, like, young, you know, young Robert, young Kennedy, like, yeah, sort yeah. of uh, riding around Vietnam on that little dugboat. But, yeah, you have that sort of attitude going through it and you have that sort of like the ability to imagine like futures that were you know bright and beautiful some of them weren't utopian but they mm. tended to be original like so for example you created like Planet of the Apes you created well, a, space great, Odyssey. a great one You've, is Demolition Man which I know is later in the well, 90s that was the 90s is the 90s but you see it's this utopian future but underground these people aren't allowed up. Yeah. They're not allowed into this utopian world. They're considered. Yeah. Uh, we 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 agree good. that it's the better uh, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Did you Rob guys Schneider do Schneider Dennis Schneider 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 Schneider. No, no, it's not, it's not <laughs> on the list as being Schneider. the best movie. Of well, all I time. Dennis Leary is brilliant. But, yeah. I, I adore Demolition Man. But what I'm saying is, like modern science fiction seems incapable of imagining original futures on that scale. So you get reboots. I, you get, like, the Star Trek films are stuck doing prequels. The Star Trek TV shows are stuck doing prequels. Yeah, you have the Star Wars movies, which have gone back and recreated the formula that defines the original Star Wars trilogy because that's safer. Even, like, the Planet of the Apes films, which are fantastic and some of the mm. best science fiction they, movies they're ever made, good, yeah. they are prequels to, like, those those classic, like, Charlton Heston 1968 sort of Planet of the Apes. Mm. We have great difficulty in imagining futures now that are optimistic and hopeful even when we imagine futures in say like tv shows like black mirror or the expanse or whatever they tend to be dystopian they tend to be dark they tend to be well, the handmaid's tale is, is one of those ones that's yeah. out now is very popular and, and they tend very to be, dark they tend to be very limited in scope they tend to be basically what if now but worse as in, like, it's not like, imagine a future where you're traveling through space, or imagine a future where mankind has transcended its difficulties, or even, like, in Star Wars, where imagine a universe that's so vastly different that it's, you know, that you can have adventures and fun in it. It's it's more like, well, imagine either a recycled childhood property like Star Trek or Star Wars doing what it always did before, or imagine the modern world that we live in, except somehow it's crapper, like The Handmaid's well, Tale or The Matrix like go or um, yeah. Lawnmower Man too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg said. Enough. Spielberg said when he made Close Encounters, originally when he was thinking of it, uh, the aliens are peaceful; they're coming to Earth. But how would the government deal with it? And Close Encounters was made just after Watergate. So you're talking yeah. about. Trust it's going to be secret. Fake. It's going to be secret. Yeah. Nobody's going to know about it. It's all about don't trust the government. The government, you know, it's going to be a one big cover up. Yeah. And it's kind of like since like that time period. Nowadays, we especially live in a world where nobody trusts politicians. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's the way the world is going. You know, it's uh, politics. One time people trusted their politicians, let the politicians sort it out. Now it's like, no, you know, because we live in a social media world. Everyone is, has an opinion. Everyone is entitled to their opinion. And that opinion can be heard. <laughs> Whereas I suppose well, no, one time I, in the mass, people just I think didn't, their the, opinion was never heard. These days, you, you, you don't need to trust politicians because uh, politicians aren't in charge. The economy is. The economy will tell us what to do. The economy was always in charge. It's just that what could a politician to do make you believe otherwise? And that, yeah. that was George H. Bush's fall if, because he figured the Gulf War just won it. 
no problem, no yeah. problem. Economy got they, him. They, economy got him. They all have to convince you that they're going to do great things for the economy because the economy is some <laughs> um, abstract thing that's separate from society. Yeah. Where, where, but if it's good for the economy, it'll be good. It'll be good, good for, for everything society else as well. Because if if there's lots of money, that'll be mean more money for people. I mean, um, I, sorry. So you're right. We're I can bring this right back to back. I was about to. So you go. It's in 2018 where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, three years ago we all got together we watched the for the uh, 30th anniversary. anniversary and also Back to the Future uh, Day uh, Back to the Future Day when he went into the future tw- October 21st 2015 well since 2015 there's been a US president election and a Brexit economy right? a lot has happened in the world in those few years that we, if you had told us then we would have laughed at you and that's yeah. only three years ago yeah. what the hell has happened in the world and this is the way the world is going so, it's been interesting times certainly yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are living that, in a, that Chinese curse we're goes. living in interesting times yeah, but like, we had a black president before that <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that like, was pretty great I don't think it balances out though yeah no I mean it's just like this is it like everything is happening Regardless, do you think we again? Yeah. <laughs> we. I know, I know. No, it's we, we, we. It's the global, the global yeah, world. Yeah. We're talking here on the on the the world wide web. I'm very old fashioned <laughs> when it comes to technology, and so the global the information superhighway. Yeah, it's like things that we once thought were impossible are happening very quick now within six yeah. months of each other almost. So like this is now the world. It's very fast. It's very fast. Well, I mean, this is one of the things, and it's kind of, is this a bit too much to do Back to the Future, where you get to the end of history, and you have this idea that, like, you talked about nostalgia, and how nostalgia, like, you get it, it gets closer and closer and closer, and what happens when you're nostalgizing a culture that doesn't exist except as a nostalgic reflection yeah, That else. 1950s never, never existed the way it is portrayed, but it was very much, but I think it was as... Like that's just like a television commercial yeah. from the 1950s. That's what that's the Ronald like. Reagan television <laughs> commercial. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what he did yeah, kind of did, uh, yeah. after being a B movie actor. Is he mm. became like the face of all of these companies? But like yeah. like the 1960s then came after 50s, and that was very violent. You know, the 60s was turbulent. Yeah, yeah. turbulent. Well, we know, talked wars. about like when we talked about Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is very much a rejection of the 60s in some. I ways. mean, most people stayed on board with Vietnam because they didn't think America would ever lose. Yeah, and by the time people got sick and tired of it, thousands of men were dead. It was too late. You know. I mean, the world, you know, just changes like that. So do we think that there's something in Back to the Future about that, about how, like, as the series goes on, it becomes increasingly about its own history and its own relationship. Yeah, I think the third one is very much, because they're in the Wild West, and you're not relying on special effects, it's about story of character. It's about, you know, like, Doc falls in love. Mary Steenburgen, great, great character. She's great, she's fantastic. Brilliant, you know, he falls in love. Marty becomes the adult in that one, and it's like, he's telling Doc, Doc, you can't. Do what your heart says. You got to do what your mind says. Do the right thing, you know. Um, because then, and, some, and somewhere, you know, uh, Martin Lee picks up a phone and says, "Spike, you know the way you've been thinking about that? It's me, your cousin, Martin Lee. You know the way you were thinking about a fresh <laughs> new title for that movie? Well, I got the sound for you." It's like okay, uh, uh, blues riff in 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 B. Uh, we'll watch for the changes and try to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I did. They, I, I love the. There, there's so much kind of like cultural references to this movie. There, there's the. Um, there's this uh, Skrillex kind of back in 1955, mm. where 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 is like, um, hey, it's Marvin Skrillex. <laughs> I've got that sound, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you're. Um, well, yeah, maybe you're not ready for this yet. 
but your kids, no, they probably won't like it either. <laughs> but their kids. <laughs> I mean, Back to the Future has such a great reservoir of pop culture. I mean, we talked when we did, uh, was it Amadeus? We talked about how you can construct that movie almost from parodies in, like, The Simpsons, in 30 Rock, in Family Guy. Like, I mean, there are several moments watching Back to the Future where I went to Family Guy parodies well, of Back to the Future. Now you mentioned Family Guy. Seth MacFarlane, is it? Yeah. Seth MacFarlane is a huge Back to the Future fan. And my wife... That doesn't always, surprise me. My wife says to me, how come you're not into Family Guy? How come you don't watch such and such and such and such? He's huge Back to the Future fan, just like yourself. And I was I just like, I never never really did. I, I, and I know he is a big Back to the Future fan. I can tell. I've watched Ted. And I can see, like, you know, he had the, back, the Jurassic Park posters on the wall. Yeah. I see where he's coming from. I absolutely love his, uh, where he's coming from. That's not the reason why I didn't get the Family Guy or whatever, but... I'm a Simpsons man, really. So, although I, I'm ashamed to be a Simpsons man the last <laughs> 20, 15 years, but uh, we grew up. I had Seth definitely on the Simpsons. You know, that would be another. If you ever podcast the Simpsons guys, bring me along. <laughs> yeah. I like that because this I don't isn't think a long we'll ever enough. Be finished this, yeah, because yeah. this isn't a long enough podcast project. On that note, is there anything else with regards to Back to the Future that we haven't talked about that either you would like to anything that sort of jumped out? I just, to just you think, could talk forever. I could talk forever, yeah. but I just finish off on the fact that. Uh, we live in an age of nostalgia, make America great again. Was America ever great is the question because Trump didn't come up with that. Reagan used to say that too yeah. for his um, political things. And I think presidents before that said, we want to make America great again. But when was great again? Segregation on the back of buses. That's what Marty went back to. But that's yeah. not... That's covered, not covered you know what I mean like because yeah. well, even when America's great there's going to be a recession people will say was Obama's America great oh it was a hell of a recession a terrible time yeah. that's what people will say oh, oh yeah and we, also on two ongoing foreign wars two foreign wars there's been more, uh, shoot, there's been more school shootings now I don't want to go into detail into terrible things but I'm just saying how the world is now we're, we're getting it a lot we're getting it bad we're getting it bad it, it is bad but I mean on the other hand we also have like you know better medical treatment than any other time in history better we have you know fewer deaths due to wars internationally speaking we know that we know the consequences um, of the oceans with the plastic and the sea, the ice yeah, caps. Yeah, we just aren't doing anything. We're not, going, we're not in order pizza and lime. We're not in a rush yeah. to get to Mars anytime soon. We, should, we should have been there years ago, you know. But yeah. uh, that's just uh, yeah, that's, that's for another day. You know? I am wary of nostalgia as a rule. I mean, as anybody listened to the Cinema Paradiso podcast will know, like Darren is not a big fan of like things were better. Well, people once. don't like change. That's what brings it happened. Migration. People are scared. People yeah. fear. You know, change. You know, I remember when everything was different. Whatever. But like, you know, the world changes. You know. <laughs> that actually you're gonna seems like you're gonna finish on a high note. That seems like a pretty upbeat. When note. I finish with a line, when I do a line, a line from the film, the film. We reenact a, a scene from the film. <laughs> okay, well, we're getting we're getting the Kieran and Andrew. Hey, McFly. <laughs> thought I told you never come in here. <laughs> you Irish uh, bug. Uh, oh, sorry, Biff. Hello, hello. Anyone at home? <laughs> so, guys, if you haven't watched the film, you don't need to at this point. I feel well, like it's just going to recreate it. It's just being. Oh my god, they found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Uh, <laughs> run for it, Marty! <laughs> so, I guess the only thing left to do is to ask Kieran to actually pick uh, the movie that we're going to cover next week on the show. Um, I pick a number. I actually pick the film. Darren's, uh, uh, Kieran is going to press a button on this random number generator that you have in we front of you. We truly do live in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's full of these um, yellow, pink, uh, blue balls. And there's these green balls as well. Moon pie. What? That's not meant to be. In- Don't touch that. Okay. <laughs> so we, we've landed on. Uh, 39. 
Number thirty-nine. That's that's close to number one. Mm. That's, that's right <laughs> Thank you, there. Andrew, for that. Andrew, <laughs> close to yeah, I'm glad this is yeah, filmed, viewer, you know? viewers can't see, but we're hugging. We're actually hugging. I think it's brought us closer together. <laughs> I've, I've come more to what? Andrew's the right leaning. We're leftist Aaron is over here. <laughs> Forget his liberal ways. The world is gone. What, what, what happened? Polar bears are starving. The world is ruined. Okay, at number thirty-nine, it is the in in Chuchibus? The Untouchables. Which is interesting. I have seen this film. I'm not sure. If I have not seen this movie. Kieran, I think is this Les Untouchables? Yes, it is indeed. <laughs> Getting a remake with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. But we will be watching the original French version of the film. So let's check out the trailer uh, and see how this goes. This will be very interesting, particularly given that it is a movie is in French. Come down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Darren is going to join in the hug I any moment like, now. I feel like this is what this is what they do when they're coming down off something. Uh... Get in here, Darren. C'est qui ce type Autour de toi, tout le monde s'inquiète. Comment il est grand, il est costaud, il a deux bras, deux jambes, un cerveau qui fonctionne, il est en bonne santé. Trop long, là Les gars des cités, ils n'ont aucune pitié. C'est ce que je veux. Aucune pitié. Voilà. C'est bon comme ça Attends. Vous avez fini de jouer, non Eh mais en fait, vous sentez rien du tout, là. Bon appétit. Eh, 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 eh. <rire> Ça frise la paresse, là, faut renvoyer un peu Vous n'avez pas envie de prendre le large Vous voulez vous barrer, c'est ça Et on va où Respirez, hein So that is the Untouchables, and that's what you're doing that next week. Isn't we'll it? be covering that next week. That so that'll be, that be your episode next yeah, week. In case you couldn't, like listeners, obviously could not see this. Yeah, you but Andrew, if anybody's still listening after all that, yeah, you Andrew and Kieran were there. holding each other, swaying <laughs> back and forth like in <laughs> rhythm to like the. Heart. Are you allowed to describe what the movie's about now? Or are you going oh, yeah, to? We can talk about the. We, we can talk about the trailer. Yeah, well, the trailer is it's a French film I saw years ago. Um, I actually, without getting too spoiler, I quite liked it. It's exactly what it looks like. It's a very uplifting, very heartwarming film. Yeah, I think based on the trailer, the setup of the movie is that it's a man and his carer. Yeah, and basically the bond that they form, which transcends class and race and all this sort of stuff. But it's also very like life affirming and very playful in a way. Yeah, that's, and it, it's the the trailer is very much. We we talked about this and we talked about like Cinema Paradiso again. 
uh, when we talked about was it the the postcard art house sort of quality. Yes, yeah. Um, it has much. that sort of like Amelie esque sort of like isn't life great? But life you actually quite liked it, right? I, yes, which yeah. is astounding. I, I like the look of that. I actually that hit home to me as I work as a healthcare assistant, so I can actually relate to that quite yeah. a bit. So I would like to actually watch that film. Yeah. Who? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. in that Who? case, no. I'm not saying I'm coming back Who to knows a review. If you I would, back. Yeah. I, I'm, I can't say I'll be back, but I, I would like to watch the film. I'd also like to give a shout out to my wife, Laura. Because she told me to. And she'd be angry if I didn't. <laughs> because she told me to. And she's named after Laura Ingalls from Little House on the Prairie. Ah. So pop, pop, popular culture, you see, has this, has this sort of impact name, here. Yeah, Laura Ingalls. Uh, okay, well, that, that's a great... But she's actually named after from the books, not the uh, character from the TV show. But it was very popular when she was born. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in, terms of, so in terms of other shout-outs, is there anyone else you'd like to shout no, out well, to? My, whether my, or not my, my daughter, to? but she, she will, won't hear this for another 50 years. And... By then, I don't know what the world would be like, but, you know, we lived a good life. We, we got to live through <laughs> the 90s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> good times. Andrew, what about yourself? If people are looking for you, can they find you online? What would you like to give a shout-out to in the world? What uh, piece of pop culture? No, I'll, 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 um, I'll give a shout-out to, to Laura, uh, uh, Kieran's wife, um, who, who, um, because she asked Kieran, Kieran to give him a shout-out. Yeah, you probably should give her a shout-out, too. I, I, will, I will give Laura a shout-out as well, but not because you guys are telling me to, but because I want to of my own volition. Um, no, Laura's great. Um, so, hello, Laura, if you are listening. All three of us say hello. She also studied film. I probably don't know if mention this now because I'm going to embarrass her, but she did her thesis on... I don't know, but it was something to do with film. Why did, <laughs> why did we end up with you, damn it? We picked the lesser villain. <laughs> yeah. like, so maybe you can get her to do it next you, time. Actually, yeah, to be honest, we didn't properly introduce yeah. you. You've actually studied film. You were the most qualified person on this podcast. Ah, but I dropped out of college. I want to stress that, okay? <laughs> as opposed I'm not to proud the, of it, but... Uh, as opposed to the other two of us who didn't study film at all. Uh, I think you still have, like, the advantage you here. You know, it was the height of the Celtic Tiger. Getting student <laughs> grants wasn't the problem. You know, that was the easy part. Uh, uh, but no, we would absolutely love to have you back. And Laura, if you're interested, given that you actually have a master's in film, I mean, we'd be happy to trade up. Yeah, I think uh, her favourite film is Tremor, Tremors. Do you guys remember Tremors? I love Tremors. Unfortunately, it's not on the list. <laughs> I know it's not on the list. <laughs> oh, oh! Okay, and Kieran has just undone all the good work of that shout-out right there. Really? You don't like Tremors? Tremors I do like amazing. Tremors, so I can see why it's not on the 250. <laughs> yeah. All right, take it easy, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week where we talk about it in the Untouchables. In the meantime, you can follow us on SoundCloud on Twitter at the 250. Absolutely. Give us a shout out to say hi, and we'll yeah, be back next subscribe, week. Yeah, subscribe, leave a review. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>